It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Feckin' Check-In, Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. Show. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Feckin' Check-In. My name is Trainer, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Toomey. How are you doing? And Happy New Year, Toomey. Happy New Year. That's the obligatory phrase that we have to say to everyone in work anyway. It's uh, even in emails, it's just, you have to throw it in there. I hope you had a nice Christmas and New Year as well. It's like kind yes. of past tense. Yeah, ha- I hope you're well and, ha- and had a happy new year. Yeah. I was only on a call there um, on the 6th of January, and I was like, when are we actually stopping saying this? <laughs> and there was people on the call I'd never met before, but I didn't care. And I was joking, obviously. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, uh, Some people aren't ready for those. I know. Uh, yeah. I was joking, and one of the guys was like, oh, Jesus Christ, I've had enough already. And I was like, grand, right? So you're my last one then. Happy New Year. Hope you're happy. <laughs> I had one yesterday. Someone said it to be yesterday. It's, it's kind of getting into that phase where it's, yeah, it's, it's no longer necessary. 7th of Jan. So just to be clear, this is the 8th. 7th of January then, that's perverse to be still saying Happy New Year. Yeah, I think it's when you haven't seen someone since before the Christmas break. I know, but Jesus, feel... you have to get control yourself like at some point. Yeah, there has to, there has to be a cutoff. Mm. I would say the cutoff should be the 4th of January. Yeah, see, that might be some people's first day back. That's the, the problem is these people as well, right? These people who've taken off extra time around Christmas. Ooh. And uh, they're not back in until the 10th of January. So we'd have to listen to them. now. These fellas. Come Monday. Yeah. And then you have that conversation with them. Like, what's it like to be back? And they're like a week behind you because yeah, you're yeah, already yeah. back. And you, had, you had a long break, didn't you, Miriam? <laughs> long break. Yeah, I just thought I would. Yeah, you know, I just find that week after Christmas so hard. Yeah, yeah, we're just waking up. We're just waking up after winter. Yeah, after Christmas. Yeah, etc. Yeah, fuck you, Miriam. <laughs> but anyway, that aside, Happy New Year. Happy Genuine New Year to you and the listeners. Genuine Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you. And the listener. The listener, yes, excuse me. Yes. Oh. Listener, singular. Rather this is... Um, the third, obviously not the third year, but like we've released feckin' checkin' episodes now in 2019, 2020, and 2020. No, sorry, 2020, 2021, and 2022. Woohoo! Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. Very, very good. It has longevity. Seems to. Yeah. And I, it's, uh, I wanted to talk about it in relation to creativity in, in one of our cultural points later, or one, mm. sorry, one of our entertainment points in relation to another topic there. So. Okay. We'll come back to that. All right. So this is the Feckin' Check-In. Toomey, do you want to do your little oh, intro? Oh, yes. Let, let me do it. Uh, this is the Feckin' Check-In, the podcast about funny observations, entertainment, culture, and kernels of truth. And trainer, for the first time in 2022, will you lead us out for your funny observation of the last undefined period of time? I will have a few because we've taken such a long time to do this one since the last one. Uh, I've come up with a few, and you've come up with a few for other topics, and it's going to be a long one, as they say. Um, <clears throat> instead of splitting it into two episodes, because who can be arsed with that? And these things kind of you lose your enthusiasm <laughs> for these facts. Um, 
when they start to look a bit old in your phone, you're like, oh yeah, that was good, but I don't yeah, care we anymore. We contemplated making the equivalent of like a double album, but then yeah. we were like, no, let's make just one really, really long yeah. know, single album. So that's my my dark twisted fantasy or whatever. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so a decade old <laughs> cultural reference. <laughs> Trying to be edgy. <laughs> what a decade old uh, reference. Probably 15 uh, okay. years actually. So um, funny observations, plural. Uh, let's start with one from the other day. Uh, I went on a walk at lunch because uh, <clears throat> I had um, I had kind of a free afternoon, so I took a bit of a longer lunch. Went on a walk, and uh, I went to a burrito place near to near enough to where I live. And um, I walked in, and do you ever walk into a shop, restaurant, a cafe, or something like that? And from the moment you enter, you almost feel unwelcome. Yes, yes, I've definitely had that experience before. Yes, that they don't want you there. Well, you'd be pleased to learn that this was... No, I'm joking. Uh, so <laughs> on this occasion, I walked in and uh, it was an empty burrito place that I went to for lunch. And there was a guy behind the counter. And I guarantee you, he gave me less than five seconds of looking at the menu. And he was like, you okay there? And uh, just to paint a picture, this was kind of a tall Irish man, looked like Stephen Merchant. And uh, the, the minute I walked in, he made me feel ill at ease. And I was looking at the menu. And you know these burrito places where they have the large menu displayed behind where the server is? And it's like, create your own burrito. First, choose your wrap or a bowl. Second, choose your meat. Third, do you want any of these veggies? Four, blah, blah, blah. And it's a menu kind of guiding you through the process. And I'd never been to this particular place before. So I didn't know that they're, of their particular choices that they had on the menu. And um, he's like, okay, there. I was like, I'm just looking at the menu there, thanks. And he goes, there's one behind you. And I was like, where? I was like, there's one behind you. And I was like, where? Be-? And I was looking behind me. I was like, where behind me? He's like, behind you there, just behind you. And I was like, where is it? I can't see it. He's like, there's just behind you there. And I was like, what? <laughs> Stop saying that and give me some extra information rather than just repeating the same thing over and over again. And why can't I not look at the fucking one that's behind you, you cunt? That's what it's there for. It's in massive big text. It's deliberately placed so that the customer can read it at their fucking leisure so that they can decide how they want to make their fucking burrito. And he kept directing me to a smaller, shitty, fucking portable version of the menu that was placed on a table behind him. And I was like, Actually, no, like, why can't I just read the one that's there? Does that make you uncomfortable if I'm looking at you or near you like you're fucking doing to me now, telling me it's behind you, it's behind you, it's behind you, not telling me where the fucking thing is? And he set off. Passive-aggressive, did you think? I think so, yeah. Well, I I have a theory on it now in a second, but uh, he set me off on the wrong foot entirely before anything had happened. Um, So I I did eventually locate the menu that was behind me, and I went (laughs) and I looked at it, and I decided to choose whatever burrito I want. But I chose in a hurry because he'd already annoyed me, so I just got a bog-standard kind of chicken burrito. And um, I was ordering it from him, and he didn't give me the choice between Mexican rice and regular rice. I had my Mexican rice thing ready to go because I'd looked at the menu, and he just started putting in the plain rice, and I was like, ah, fuck you. And... uh, and he's like, um, would you like any meat in that? And I was like, yeah, please, I'll have chicken. And he's like, oh, how about some whatever? Just went through the process. And uh, he, Half-heartedly. Was, he was like, do you have your COVID vaccination cert? I was like, I do. And he's like, do you want me to take the cert first and scan that? Or do you want me to scan for the cost of your burrito first? And I was like, whatever is easiest for you. And he's like, well, it's up to you, whichever you want. Do you want me to scan for the COVID, sir? <laughs> he's repeating himself again. Or do you want me to scan for your, your, your burrito? And I, I just went, again, whatever is easiest for you. And I was like, why are you asking me that? He's like, <laughs> creating the illusion of giving me 
customer service or give me some choice um, but where choice wasn't necessary or required it was like an absolutely abstract bizarre <laughs> thing to ask a customer and to place in a customer's hands like which would you like me to do first scan your fucking covid cert thing or scan the uh, your phone because i was going like, to pay with my phone it's, it's like saying what do you want me to put through the till first, your can of Coke or your burrito? Exactly. Like, why would you ask that to somebody? And I was just yeah. kind of going, uh, whatever you want. And he's like, I'll take your COVID cert there first. I was like, yeah, grand. And uh, he scanned the COVID cert and I paid for the thing. And he's like, you might want to use some hand sanitizer there if you're going to use any napkins or forks or anything like that. And I was like, yeah, I know. I've been in a place before. And also, like, that's mental the way you said that to me as well. Like, uh, <laughs> like I'm some fucking filthy fucking hound off the street. I sat down. <laughs> I, I did use napkins and, and a fork eventually. And he was there kind of just looking at me as I was eating the burrito. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like he didn't want me there. That's actually how I felt. I felt like I was an inconvenience to him. And I mm. almost spoiled his day. So as I was eating the burrito naturally i went on to google and looked up reviews of this place and i'm gonna call it out it's called mr burrito and it's in drum Condra, so fuck you and uh, and it was a terrible burrito it tasted horrible it was really bland the service was terrible and he was a weirdo and uh i was looking up the reviews i sorted them in reverse order by worst to best which is always the most enjoyable way to read reviews and a few of them basically said manager was very unpleasant, manager was very awkward, manager made me feel uncomfortable, manager was rude, and I'm guessing that this guy must have been that manager because he fit all of the character attributes that were being used to describe the, a male server in those bad reviews. Um, and I think maybe that he doesn't work there very often because the majority of the reviews were good, and I would say that it got a, a score of 4.4 out of 5 overall on Google, but reading the bad ones... They all had some unpleasant encounter with a man who was either awkward, rude, or made them feel uncomfortable. And that was, that was this person. And there was other things as well that I meant to say about it, but I can't remember now. But they might come back to me. But uh, he basically just made me feel really uncomfortable. Wouldn't let me look at the menu in a correct fashion that you should. The one that was placed in large text behind his head. Uh, created an illusion of customer service by giving me choices about things that were completely irrelevant and arbitrary. And then was kind of just... A presence there while I ate, um, and it was just yeah, it was a it bizarre was very, behavior, very yeah. strange, and um, yeah, his whole his whole uh, uh, business is based on making f- people feel welcome and to enjoy their experience, and he's doing yeah. exactly the opposite. Exactly, like he had all the fucking bedside manner of a fucking troll under a bridge or something. Like he did not <laughs> want to be there. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, when you go into the chipper. And yeah. you, you feel like you have to order straight away. I you hate have the menu that. behind them. I hate you know, it. You know you want your chips, but you, you're not quite sure if you want yeah. like a burger or fish or whatever. Yeah, or you might want a batter burger or you might want a, like a spice burger or something weird. And there are 100 items on that menu. Like a chipper menu is worse. And yeah. like, they expect you to like have the immediacy of their impatience to go yeah. in and make your order. And you're like, no, actually, I want to look at this for ages. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to ask me, are you ready? Yeah, I'll I, come over to you. I'll ask you. <laughs> yeah. I'll fucking ask you. You don't fucking patronize me. Um, exactly. It, and it's it's the way they ask as well. You're right there. You're okay there. And it's like, I, of course I'm okay, you fuck. I'm coming in here to order some <laughs> chips. or And maybe something else. Maybe I'll get a, a, a kebab, maybe, if you give me a chance. Yeah, um, give me a chance. <laughs> Very good. And you mentioned you had a, a, a theory about this gentleman. Sorry, yeah. So I think he's the manager and I don't think he works there very often. And I'd imagine 
due to COVID or something, probably high cases, that he's doing a job that he doesn't normally do. Because he had a managerial vibe to him. Mm. Uh, he certainly did not have any customer service skills whatsoever. Um, so I would imagine that he is the manager. That's not his normal job. So I'm trying to cut him a small bit of slack there because he really, really had no customer service, no warmth to him mm. whatsoever. Uh he just make, made me feel very unwelcome. And all of the other people, seemingly, who gave those negative review, reviews, he made them feel the same. So, I would say he's the manager in an industry that doesn't uh, require patience with customers or doesn't involve too many customers, by the sounds of it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I doubt he's the day-to-day person serving people there. I can't imagine he is because <laughs> it wouldn't be open. <laughs> yeah. It would have closed down by now. <laughs> And it was it was horrible burrito. I'm just going to say that again. Yeah. Really, really bland. The rice was bland. He didn't give me a choice of whether I wanted Mexican rice or not. Uh, the uh, even the the bloody salsas were bland. So and the chicken as well it was bland as fuck. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's as like the thing that stands out for me is the repeating, like repeating mm. when you're kind of getting pissed off at someone to repeat uh, the question is. Uh, to me, it sounds passive aggressive, but I don't. It was, know and I don't. Know, I don't know if he intended it that way. I think he's just awkward and not good with people. But still, it was just. Yeah. So yeah. why would you want me to? Why would you want me to know or to let you know in which order I wanted you to process this very short transaction? How yeah. how is giving me the choice about that helpful to anyone? Exactly, and if he's doing it, just stop. Like, it. So, what would I say? Like, I regularly prefer people to scan my COVID cert after I've paid for it. <laughs> I'm an after. I'm an after scanner. That's me. If you're doing uh, it, just stop it, basically. Anyway, yeah. If you're doing it, just stop it. That's the burrito from burritos to dog shit. <laughs> from burritos trainer. to dog shit. Yeah. Uh, this is another one. Um, dog shit is kind of a, a, an ongoing theme of the, of the fact and check-in. Uh, <laughs> I know. This is a very short one. A lot of times, uh, I uh, previous listeners would have uh, remembered my story of, of skipping and annoying neighbours and having neighbours uh, left dog shit in the exact area that I was skipping. Um, yes. And dry th- dog shit. That, that, <clears throat> that seemed that, to have been placed there. That's a fan favourite, by the way. People have said that to me <laughs> <laughs> months after the fact, uh, saying that that was one of their favourite episodes or their favourite. Um, so so one yeah. of our things, dog shit. So I'm really interested to hear the, the latest update on dog shit in your life. <laughs> So I have a balcony that overlooks the canal in my apartment and I was out having a coffee and I was just looking out at the canal as I do and there was a man looking really shifty walking up the canal, walking a dog. <laughs> this was a couple of weeks ago and uh, <laughs> it was a busy enough day on the canal and there were other people walking their dogs and it's, it's a very busy spot for dog walkers. and. Mm. He was looking quite shifty, and the dog was kind of just roaming around the grass area beside the the path. And I was like, "Ah, the dog's going to do a shit," and he's, he's he feels really awkward about this because he doesn't have a bag. This is I concluded all this. And, so um, you're out in your balcony here. Watching are you, are you, you're watching him. You're having watching a cup him. of tea or a cigarette yeah. or whatever. He has, he has no idea that I'm watching him as well, which is <laughs> really funny because he hasn't seen me. <laughs> and uh, he waits until he thinks he has it. The coast is clear, and he kind of lets the dog do his shit and the dog does his shit and he doesn't clean it up in any way but he was looking over his shoulder looking ahead of him looking side to side and he's like 360 except he wasn't looking up at the balcony because i was there watching him and uh, (laughs) he was checking it he thought the coast was clear and then another dog and a woman came kind of as if out of nowhere and started playing with his dog and i'd say he was sweating at this point he's like fuck did she see me now she saw me walking off the grass she must know uh because why would i've been on the grass other than to allow my dog to do an illegal shit which i didn't clean up (laughs) and uh 
he uh, he interacted with that woman for a while and she walked off and then he's shifting around still still in the same area hasn't really left the scene of the crime maybe he's getting a kick out of it I don't know and um, has the dog shit at this stage oh yeah the dog has shit it shit oh. before the woman interacted um, okay and uh, he thinks the coast is clear again and there's no further dog walkers coming and I just went <coughs> from the balcony and he looked up and made eye contact with me and I made <laughs> eye contact with him and then I smiled at him <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a quiet morning that like that's that's that cough would have been so loud and noticeable it reverberated off the buildings yes yeah. <laughs> and he just looked up at me and made eye contact for about two seconds and I did with him and I was smiling at him and then uh, he turned around and he looked embarrassed and he kind of shuffled off but um, <laughs> I think this is, this is bullshit now there's every chance that maybe he forgot to bring his bag but he didn't look like the type mm. that forgot to bring his bag he looked like the type that doesn't bring a bag um, mm. I'm making that judgement on him based on nothing but I do see these people all the time, and it really annoys me. It's like it's clean up after your dog. You don't get to have a dog and not clean up after it. And yes. We'll be talking about pets later and selfishness as well uh, in another way. But um, you don't get to have a dog and not clean up the shit. I'm sorry. Fuck you. There's bins all along the canal that you can put your little dog shit in, and you yes. should be doing that. And it's horrible if you stand in it, and you need to start cleaning that shit up, literally. Uh, and it really brings down the, the area as well, actually. If you're walking around a park... And you have to be conscious of the path that you're walking on for yeah. for shit or the grass or whatever. It actually is a bit stressful and it actually takes away your enjoyment of being out in, in nature and stuff. Yes. Well. And if you walk in dog shit and walk it all over your house, that is the fault of somebody like your man shifting around, not cleaning up the dog shit. And mm. I shouldn't have to walk in dog shit and walk <clears throat> it all over my house, which I have done uh, multiple times. <laughs> Uh, it's 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 really really annoying. So if you're doing that, just stop it as well. Yeah, you have a, a kind of a, a personal history with dog shit as well. I remember back in our rapping days, you you stepped in dog shit, and we met up with this rap crew, um, and for the first time, or one of the first times, and they were very intimidating, and we were in to record a song with them, a big crew, and you had accidentally uh, stepped in dog shit and and smeared it all over their carpet. Yes, or as I yeah. said in your best man speech, dog excrement. Because for some dog reason, excrement. I was afraid to say the word shit in front of your parents. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I did tell that story at your wedding. Um, yes. But yeah, it walked dog shit all over their house, their white carpet. At one point, we were sitting down on the bed. We didn't realize I'd done it. I turned around to you. I was like, do you smell something? And then we looked down on the carpet, and lo and behold, it was smeared with shit. And <laughs> all through the hall with the white carpet, that was all smeared with shit. We thick, thick dog <laughs> Very shit. Deep in the shag. Well. Deep in the shag of the carpet. Yeah. Um, oh, it was funny. To see the, never... this this rapper, this rapper dude, uh, taking out the mop and scrubbing. But also on his hands and knees and scrubbing that's, the carpet. That's the and these lads were kitted out like rappers. Song. Like they were kitted out in their really nice clothes and their bling and everything. And he was down on his hands and knees for something I had done. But <laughs> that was somebody who didn't clean up after their dog. So it's fucking not even my fault yes, either. exactly. So it's the guy there outside your balcony. It's people like him, his fault. fault. It's his fault, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was premeditated. He knew what he was doing. He yeah. maybe forgot the uh, the bag thing. Yeah. Or but but even if he did, um, this it's no excuse. So <laughs> what do you do if you forget the bag thing? Maybe you just go home straight away, or uh, maybe you stop off in the shop or something to get a bag, a temporary bag or something. You could do that, or you could make some attempt to 
fucking repurpose something in your pocket to scoop it up and throw it in the canal. I don't know. Yeah. But like this man made no effort and he wanted to get away with it. That was his you thing. could you could get leaves or something as well like that. And yeah, you could scoop sh- it up shove it. a stick into it and throw it in the canal. Like you do have some options <clears throat> there. You don't have to leave it there. Piece yeah. of tissue. Everybody usually has some kind of piece of tissue on them. I don't know. Yeah, he knew the drill by the sounds of it, by the way yeah. he was covering oh, he knew what he was up to. The dirt yeah. bird. Um, okay, so if you see him again, just give him that cough and that knowing oh, he, oh, he won't do it again now. I told him. It's like the equivalent <laughs> of giving somebody a nasty look in a car when they turn into the roundabout too quickly. He knows what he's done. He knows. He knows. Very good. Okay, and then you actually have another funny observation based around stolen goods. Yes, this is a short one as well. So uh, me and Elaine were standing outside a pub having a smoke a few weeks ago, and um, this, <laughs> I can't remember, it was the Lots, the Lots bar in, in town. And, um, this woman comes up. I was like, how are you? How are you? Yeah, how are you? Oh, it's freezing, isn't it freezing? And we were just like, yeah. And in my mind, I was like, she's going to ask for money. And she was with some scrouty, scrouty looking lad. And uh, she was scrouty enough looking herself. And she's like, yeah, it's cold and cold and isn't it out tonight? Yeah. I was like, ah, she wants a cigarette. And uh, no, she didn't want either of those things. She opened up a bag. She's like, do you want any Yankee candles? And we were like, eh, no, 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 thanks. No. Her grand, she's like, they're, uh, they're, they're tenor in the shop. I'll give them for two euro or whatever. Some ridiculous offer like that. I'm like, no, no, you're grand, thanks. Is she sure? I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then, you then don't she's like, how, she goes, how about a man's hat? <laughs> and we're like, what? <laughs> and she took, <laughs> she's like, a man's hat. She took out a Jack Charlton style cap from her bag. Um, and she's like, 50 euro in the shop. I'll give you that for a tenner. And we were like, no, no, thanks. It's grand. <laughs> and uh, she had a black eye on her as well, by the way. And, uh, oh. But the the guy who was with her didn't look capable of giving her the black eye. If anything, it looked like she'd be giving him black eyes. But anyway, she had a black eye. He was kind of like an underling. And um, the, these goods were clearly stolen. And we, we said no thank you when she went off. And you, you used to hear stories back in the day of people selling stolen goods in a pub. Like they come up, at you, up to you with a stereo or a VCR or something. Be like, oh, give me that now for £40 or whatever. And um, I haven't witnessed this in a very, very long time. And uh, <coughs> I just thought it was really funny. It was like a throwback it to is. the past. Yankee candles in a man's hat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't see that too much these days. And the brazenness of it. And mm. the way she said a man's hat is particularly amusing as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as if she'd sewn it from a man. <laughs> Well, I would imagine she had just been shoplifting and the Yankee candles and the man's hat were the two easiest items to pilfer in whatever shop she was in. And then she just went around the pubs outside trying to offload them to people. But like, I was wondering, has anyone ever approached you with anything like that in a pub? No, or, actually. No. No. Yeah. Well, you, well, well. you know when you're abroad and people come around. And yeah, yeah no, and no, stuff, I know that. But, yeah. yeah. But in Ireland, like, it no. used to be a kind of a cultural thing, like... Um, I've I've met a fella in the pub and I bought a new VCR or whatever. But uh, anyway, that that's I all it is. Aware of that. That's interesting. But yeah, it's a kind of a an old throwback. And uh, I was wondering then, like, I was I was thinking of doing this point for culture and talking about more about the ethical nature or the ethics around buying stolen goods. But we don't need to go into that. Um, We've enough material. <laughs> we do have enough material. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but man's hat. That was a great, yeah, great a man's hat. That's it. <laughs> that could be the title of the episode. Um, so that, those are three great F's on burritos, dog shit, and stolen goods. And we'll take a little break now, I think, and come back for the E for entertainment.
Excellent. Okay, so we have a few E's. Whoa, whoa. Uh, for, uh, <laughs> that came up Another on a recent 90s, 90s cultural reference. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have a few E's this time. And uh, the first one of those is one that you suggested. Or no, it's kind of a thing we were planning to do an episode on, mutual thing, uh, which is, of course, the end of year Spotify uh, best of your your year wrapped yeah. lists. But we're not yes. going to do the thing we've done in previous years because, one, that ship has sailed and it's now January. And two... It's a bit all over the place, like every single cunt is doing it. So that's just what I wanted to talk about: how the mainstream just ruins things. Yeah, it's. I just found this year we were we were kind of all set to do it because we had traditionally done it for a couple of years mm. on our previous podcast, Open Us. Uh, the idea was we'd open ourselves up to each other's music for the year, and it was yeah. kind of fun and interesting. But mm-hmm. this year, I, everyone was in on it. It was all over Twitter. Everyone mm. was like, "These are my top five And I know. Oh, and I even comments. posted that to be honest with you. Um, but I posted <laughs> podcasts because I was able to, to, to tag the hosts in it. Um, so it was a but small thing. We don't count. We don't count. We're no, we not don't the count. <laughs> we, we get a pass. No, it's I didn't people post people who they're not supposed to know about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they ruin it. Yes, I know what you mean. It's like I don't care about yours, forty-five-year-old uh, Mark Jones. Yeah, I, I don't care about what your top five are, and you think other people care, and you're sharing. Ah, just. Mm. And then I didn't want. To, I, I guess I have that hipsterness in me. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of a, not a great trait to have, but yeah. Sometimes like, when things go too mainstream, they just ru- get ruined. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> it's a complete definition of being a hipster, but uh, it's also true. And um, <laughs> I, I must clarify, I didn't post my top tracks or my playlist or anything. I just posted my top few podcasts. But uh, it is, it does get ruined when everyone starts doing it. And you're like, I was doing this in 2014, buddy. Uh, you know, and yeah. uh, I remember <laughs> <laughs> when it was I, cool to do it. Well, yeah, exactly. Like I remember introducing people to Spotify via this. Uh, feature and they were so impressed by it they're like i'm going to sign up to spotify i'd love to know what i've been listening to throughout the year blah 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 but uh, the other thing which we've we've harped on about ad nauseum on previous episodes episodes i had a lisp there for a second and years is the the fact that it only goes up to the 31st of october which is an absolute farce and those months are never accounted for so that is annoying as well because if like me you are off going to a music festival in november and listening to a load of new bands that you'd never listened to before that section of your year is never accounted for in your music taste history, which now other people have made the argument saying if they included December, that Christmas music would dominate people's playlists for the end of the year. But that's easily resolved. One would be an option to exclude Christmas songs, which are easily identifiable in their uh, algorithm from your list. Or the other would be just leave them in there. They still probably won't be your top played song. Uh, And even if they are, it's still reflective of your music taste. So so an option to leave them in or take them out, piece of piss, easily done. Um, But yeah, it's, it's annoying. Um, it is. It's kind of like you, you come up with your top five, but it doesn't seem to reflect your listening habits from the last month or two, which is no. kind of annoying. Well, it doesn't at all. It's not yeah. even that it doesn't seem. And the fact that they release it on the, whatever the tenth of December, it's I, that kind of really bothers me as well about these lists or listicles or things. They start getting issued in like November, December, like the top things of the year. You're like, no, not unless you're including December, uh, twenty twenty in your list as your cutoff point and you're doing mm. it on the 30th of November 2021 then then I'll have time for you but if you're not doing it that way then bugger off exactly it's not a year it's not 12 months that they're they're using yeah so uh, basically the uncool people ruined it 
by liking it and enjoying it the same way we had, basically. Yeah. Well, they started feeling about it the way we did, then it ruined it for us. <laughs> <laughs> like we're 12 year olds in, in school. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like when you like a band when you're young and then everyone else starts listening to me, like, oh, fuck <laughs> You're you. not supposed to like it. Yeah. I remember, I remember a, a friend of ours, you, you'll know who I mean, uh, Sir Kesselot, was disgusted <laughs> when, I, when he learned that I was listening to Eminem. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember he made a tape of um, the Marshall Mathers, Mathers LP for me, or me and Daly, I think, <clears throat> and um, he threw a few songs on the end of it, like the Dr. Dre stuff that Eminem featured on and all that. And uh, then there was other songs that, like, he didn't put everything from the album on it. And I remember I was singing one of the songs that wasn't on the album. He goes, I didn't put that on the tape. I was like, I know, I bought <laughs> I bought the Marshall Mathers LP. And he's like, oh. <laughs> he's like, oh, that's ruined. Yeah, That's ruined for me. And I'm going to... You, you can have a specially curated cassette of things that I give you, but you're not allowed to like it yourself. <laughs> I don't want you listening enough, to those songs that I didn't put on. Interestingly enough, with Sir Castellot, soon after that, he completely reinvented himself and he was no longer interested in rap music. He became a sort of a football uh, enthusiast. That must uh, have been me. Yeah. <laughs> I must have ruined it on him. Uh, yeah, well. he was also into DJing and stuff like that. That's how I got into DJing, was mm. through him. And he yeah, sort I remember. Of, he seemed to abandon all that stuff, uh, but, but that's for other reasons, which... Mm. Uh, are very complicated and personal yes. to him. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so that's so. probably that's probably Spotify covered there. Um, now we're going to move on. You brought this up. I've been watching it. I'm up to date on it. And oh, excellent! You've it is the whole thing. Well, no, it's it's only there's only a few episodes released. It's not finished yet. It is finished. And just like that. Yeah. There's only six episodes. No, there are ten episodes. Are you sure? I am positive. My wife, Liz, <laughs> my yes. wife, yeah. she told me there was only six episodes. She said this on several occasions. And well, she was saying this week. Lying she's lying again. What? She's lying to you, too. <laughs> Are you, how, what's your percentage of, of sureness on this? My percentage of sureness is I'm on the bloody page on Wikipedia right now. And it says it's a 10 part uh, limited <laughs> series. So that would be, that'd be 93. No, that'd be a hundred percent. Oh, Okay. Um, right, okay, uh, I, I won't get uh, bogged down in tell, the fact of being stop. wrong. Uh, get Liz on the phone here. <laughs> Liz, <laughs> you lied to me. Uh, so, so, episode 7 is going to be out on the 13th of January, episode 8, 20th, episode 9, 27th, and episode 10, the February 3rd. It's listed here, coming up. Oh, it even says who directed them and written, wrote them, and it's different people who wrote the previous episodes. So it's definitely wow. 10 episodes. Okay, wow. Um Right, um, right. That's. <laughs> I'll just take a minute to recalibrate my my thoughts on that. Did you have a point about and just like that, or was I do. it me? Well, I have I, one point. It a, was a your point. It was your idea, so go with it, and oh, I'll yes. say what I think. Okay, uh, and this contains uh, a big spoiler. Uh-huh, pun intended. By the way, we should, should just explain if nobody knows what we're talking about. And just like that is the follow-up to Sex and the City, which was a popular drama comedy from the late 90s, early 2000s, which was followed up by two films, Sex and the City and Sex and the City 2. But the last thing they did was in 2010. Um, and this is obviously a long time after that. But it continues on. And Samantha, Correct. one of the main four characters, isn't in it. Is that what you were going to talk about? No. No, but that's a, that is a talking point as well. Yeah. But I also want to have the 
uh, male pride disclaimer that my wife made me watch this and I don't really watch this, etc. Okay. It's nonsense. <laughs> I don't have such a disclaimer. I always like the show. <laughs> no, I'm only sort of taking the piss with that. Um, <clears throat> but I like it as well. But I probably wouldn't keep watching it if it wasn't for, for this. Anyway, that's nonsense. It doesn't matter. Um, but I thought the uh, storyline, like when you think of it, and I'm going to give a big spoiler now. So if you're watching this series, uh, you should probably fast forward about five minutes of this podcast. Uh. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was the storyline when there's the three of them, they're older. Um, so at the start of the series, Carrie was with Big and the other two main characters uh, were in relationships and had kids as well. And I was thinking, like, before the series even started, I was like, what are they going to write about this? And it, I thought that would be an interesting challenge to have a series about people at this stage of life. And I didn't know, like, it could they could make it about anything. And I think that they should have met that challenge. But instead, what they did in the first episode is they killed off Big uh, Carrie's main love interest. And he was a, a major character in, throughout the whole Sex and the City thing. And he just died suddenly of a heart attack. And I thought that was lazy writing. And I felt like it took away a lot from the potential of what the series could be. Oh, okay. So, I, I thought you were going to go in a completely different direction with what you were going to say here. But I, So I have some other points. But I, I'll just respond to that one first. I thought that was yes. a very brave and interesting move to do at the very oh. start of Sex and the City. It reminded me of something like Scream, where, um, uh, what's her name? Drew Barrymore is in it. She's on all the posters for it. And she dies in the first 15 minutes of the film. And you're like watching it going, what the fuck are they going to do now? There's nobody famous even in the bloody thing. Um, I just think it's it, it's really interesting. It was a complete plot twist that I never saw coming. But also, they were always at loggerheads with each other. They were always like, he was cheating on her. He was treating her like shit. She cheated on him. Uh, he got married. He had a new fucking wife. And like the, the storyline between them was always tension. And I don't think, I, I certainly don't. I don't want to see that in 2021 or 2022 even. The same shit again. It was mm. like, but then the other thing was is that they clearly established in the first episode that they're now happy with each other and they're being all lovey-dovey, having wine, listening to vinyl albums, picking a different one every day. But they didn't have to go down that route. They could have went down a different route. Like in the, the storyline, they could have made it an interesting thing. What is it like for a couple like that who kind of have that tension and on-off? What's it like for them as they get older? I thought that would be interesting. But in from my perspective, what they did instead was they were like... Ah, we don't know what to do. Let's just kill off the main character and emotionally draw people in and make it this like big funeral type of thing for a few episodes. And then we'll start again. We'll bring Carrie back to being a single person because we know what to do with Carrie as a single person. Okay. That's, the, yeah. that's for me yeah. is, the, is the laziness of it. They could have I'd, they could have done something with Carrie and Big. And, yeah. I, and it's not immediately obvious, actually. Um, and, I, and I think that's the problem. Okay, all right. Fair enough. Enough. Fair enough. I, I was presenting two possibilities there, but you've uh, introduced a third, which is something different entirely. So, yeah, I thought the, the lovey-doveyness was, like, sickeningly happy, and I yes. didn't want to see them like that. <laughs> and I, 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 But I, I also think with him dying, it makes her branch out on her own and find new friends, which they've all done in the series. They've yeah. all found a new kind of friend or well, confidant. Well, could I just say, I, I actually agree with you in that when Big and Carrie are lovey-dovey, it just doesn't quite work. There needs no. to be suspense, suspense and, and tension between them in some, some degree. 
yeah. even in the movies when they they sort of resolved their differences it didn't feel interesting <laughs> no and, and, and like they're all they're both bastards as well like even in the, like what i what i like about this is like they haven't removed the fact that carrie is an absolute megalomaniac egomaniac like and everything is completely about her and even when miranda was trying to be nice to her and all she was like being a complete bitch to her um and like they haven't removed that uh, i think that's unintended do you think it's unintended i think it's unintended yeah. God, well she's she's i've always thought she was an absolute weapon like a really like a like unpleasant woman and absolutely mm. egotistical and the whole world revolves around her i thought they were going for a more serious take on something like seinfeld where the characters are just living in their own head in their own world and everything that happens is a is a something is a slight against them the world is against them and everything revolves around them and they don't actually care about the people that they're friends with like that seinfeld is obviously a comedy but uh the i always thought sex in the city was kind of going for that with her that she was just like New York woman in her own mind, in her own head, and is an act, is a kind of a bitch. Well, well, I've heard a lot of people have that take on on Carrie. I'm just less sure. Like with Seinfeld, I'm sure that that's deliberately written into the um, the storyline, and, yeah. and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Is very like that as well. It's like kind of really unlikable. Yeah. Characters. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Deliberately, <laughs> but I I think Carrie is is meant to be nice, and it just slips out. <laughs> Right. Her uh, kind of selfishness. I don't know. I don't know. But okay. I, I'd like to read up on that. That's actually an interesting point now. I'd yeah, like yeah, to yeah. Figure that out. Um, okay. Well, look, that's fair enough. Um, and I, I think your take is interesting as well. Thank Do you. something else. Don't kill them. Don't make them happy. Do something else. Something else would have been interesting. The tension. Yeah. How they deal with it. Yeah. It could yeah. have been interesting. And and what I want to add to that is then that I so if I have in the back of my head, this is my thesis on it, mm. is that they didn't know what to do in terms of storylines. So mm. what I think they also did is they inserted the whole, we're progressive, we have oh, diversity, yeah. we are mm. woke. Mm. They just threw that in everywhere. That mm. was their new storyline. Yeah. I read uh, one review of it online, which described it as sickeningly woke. <laughs> now, I will say that I certainly did notice those things. Like within the first 20 minutes in the first episode, you have things like transgender people. You have, oh, you're very quick with the pronouns. And all of these various different things like Instagram and a podcast carries on a podcast all of a sudden. It's like all of the technology that kind of happened in the interim between Sex and the City 2, the film, and 2021. They're like, shit, shove it all in, quick. <laughs> uh, and I was talking to Rob, my brother, about this, who also watches Sex and the City and enjoys it as a male. <laughs> and I uh, was like, oh, it's fucking ridiculous now. The, the idea that Miranda wouldn't know what to say to a black woman and she'd be all flustered and blah, 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 like she was when she went into the college lecture that time. Um, Oh, she was the most intelligent out of all of them, and they're just trying to shove all this stuff in, blah, blah, blah. It's like they're apologizing for not being woke in the 2000s. I was like, I didn't pick it up that way at all, actually. I picked it up in a way that they are trying to show us what these aged women are like functioning in a new world where they have been basically living in a bubble for a while. For example, Carrie is doing a podcast. That's a new thing she's doing. Uh, Miranda is going back to college. That's a new thing she's doing. While they will have progressed along with society with all of these different topics, they mightn't have had it placed in front of them in such a kind of blow over the head of doing a podcast or going back to college again. Um, So I thought it was like kind of i actually thought it was quite funny and cringy when miranda was getting so flustered um and i thought when carrie was on the podcast it was like it just showed how out of touch she was yeah she used to write a column in a paper years ago but she's dealing with 2021 mm. now and she has a, a non-binary 
uh, host throwing shit at her and wanting her to be funny on the spot and also not be uh, an old dinosaur. And I, I thought it was actually quite interesting. Uh, now, they absolutely did shoehorn in every reference they possibly could within the first episode about what's happened between 2010 and 2020, 2021 in society. But I'm kind of happy they got it all out of the way so quickly. And now they're kind of showing us how the characters are dealing with that. Mm. Yeah, I... I... <laughs> I under I definitely see what you're saying there, and it is interesting for uh, the the older characters to be kind of navigating this this new world. And I think yeah, the problem is that what I would love, or what I would have preferred them to do, is to have those type of references in, or or the woke culture, shall we say, in a more subtle way where it's not dominating the storyline. So it's just in the background that this is just something that they're adjusting to and it's no big deal. Mm. It's it's just subtly there. But instead it's just I feel like they put that so much to the forefront of the storylines that it actually makes it not normal. It actually has the re- reverse effect of it. It's like this new thing that is completely normal and we shouldn't make a big deal of now we are we're making a huge big deal that we're okay with it we're okay mm. with this <laughs> but the, I think the funny thing is, is the, story the, line. the characters aren't really okay with it though Charlotte is not okay with her child want, being transgender uh, Carrie was not really sure what to do with that radio host at first That's um, true. Miranda again was almost not okay with existing in society and going to college with a bunch of 20 somethings because the world has changed so much so I think the characters aren't oh. okay with it. The show might be telling you it's okay with it by featuring that, it in That's kind story of the way I meant it more, the, the yeah. show. Yeah. But I mean, I think that their reactions reflect realistic reactions of people in their demographic. That's true. It is a big topic in people in their demographic. And like my mother the other day said, that <laughs> we were talking about this at the dinner table, and she's like, the non-binary thing now, I just don't get. <laughs> now she's 76. Uh so I'll throw her a bone there, but um, but I like I didn't bother getting into it with her. I was I was just saying to Rob how I thought the non-binary character I can't remember Che Che or Che, che yeah was very interesting and um and like one of my favorite characters of the new thing the new inter- per- people they've introduced and uh, my mum was just the non-binary thing <laughs> I just don't care <laughs> but she's not too far removed from the demographic of like <laughs> of them if you take like. 50 to 75 or something as a demographic she's nearly in that like um, mm. and that is kind of an, a, a generation that doesn't really understand what's going on mm. yes yes okay i think that's a fair enough balanced uh, uh kind of summary on on those issues uh yeah. one other thing i wanted to comment on that uh series is miranda's uh affair uh, or her cheating on Steve, mm. and Steve is just not in it. He's just, yeah, he's just in the first episodes. He says something. I've got, I've got chia seeds stuck in my teeth, <laughs> and he farts or something. But he's and deaf he as well. He's going deaf. I thought it was quite funny like, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but Steve was such gone. a fucking turd of a schmuck anyway. Like so, I mean, I think it's realistic that she's unhappy with him because they 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 were completely settling for each other. Uh, Do you think? Oh yeah, it reminds I me. I thought of that. they had like a romantic in the in one of the films. I, I mean, they, they were brought romantic. together by the death of uh, Steve's mother, I think, at the end, who had Alzheimer's, was it, or dementia? Um, Can't remember. And she was like walking around the streets eating pizza from a bin, and Miranda had to wash her that time and all that. Like that brought them closer together. And then they had the baby, obviously, which brought them closer together. But uh, I I think of that line from the Messiah J and the expert song, "Mr. Best of Bad Lot meet Mrs. Settle for," <laughs> and that's exactly <laughs> what they are. <laughs> Yeah, 
So I guess that's it. Like they've settled for each other. They settled, completely settled, and they're just sitting there watching Netflix, eating shit. I mean, God, that's familiar to me. I don't (laughs) don't know about anybody else. Um, And like that happens in long, long relationships. It happens. You're just like, fucking hell, we are just actually just sitting here watching Netflix. And they were ignoring the um, the kind of romantic sexual side of their relationship as well. Yeah, and then it's it's kind of. It's emphasized so strongly because her kid is so sexually active now with his new girlfriend. And that's kind of like, yeah. it's in your face, like, well, they're clearly not having sex, but the kid is. And it's like, they're not even really a couple anymore. They're just And they've of... stopped trying to, to work on things. Apparently. Exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, we pick that up only in one episode and we never hear from Steve again. No, we like, do. He is in other episodes. He's in, he? he's, he's in small bits in episodes. Yeah. He's not just only in that one. Episode. Very, well, very, very briefly, because... Like what, what is, I find a bit uh, jarring about the storyline is that we're hearing Miranda's perspective of cheating and her exploring herself, uh, but mm. we never hear like the impact, we never see the impact on the relationship on, with on Steve. poor Steve. Maybe we, we will with the four remaining episodes. Maybe, maybe it will turn around, but we just see like Miranda drinking and alone and oh, yeah, the drinking her thing. exploring herself. And all. Can we talk about that actually? I thought that yeah. was interesting. So I, it was me and Elaine who'd been watching it and I can't remember, it was one of the two of us spotted it almost immediately. It was, I think it was me actually, it was like, she's going to be an alcoholic. Like they're clearly planting that seed. Like she's ordering the yeah. extra wine, she's doing this, she's doing that. But that was actually all wrapped up and resolved now within within the first few episodes. Uh, yeah, it was, and the way they resolved it was just she gets Amazon delivery or something she yeah. can't remember, and then she just throws out all her drink. And now, then unless that she, storyline is gone, unless she falls off the wagon within the remaining episode, just she probably will because giving up alcohol like that just isn't that easy. But um, yeah, the only other thing I want that's actually on this. <laughs> I wanted to actually point out that there is a lack of chemistry between Carrie, Samantha, and Charlotte. I feel in their conversations with each other. Carrie, Miranda, and Charlotte. Yeah, the three of them when they're sitting around, like yeah. in the without old Samantha text, there, actually, yeah. Sorry, yeah, they they miss uh, Samantha, yeah. Mm. So yeah, when you when you look at the old Sex of the City uh, programs from back in the day, that was the four of them together. It was often like Samantha would say something kind of risque, and then yeah, Carrie yeah. would talk about it, and there was a real yeah, chemistry yeah. between the two of them. Yeah. And then the other two weren't really like they would give their opinion in like but they weren't really strong characters like well, have you noticed just... that they keep inviting a different character to lunch now initially it was um the bald guy uh stanford uh, who, who the actor of which yeah. is actually dead so they had to yeah. write him out of the show and then it was his boyfriend or husband there's always somebody else at lunch with them now it's like they can't do it with just three people it's like four but i think that's deliberate yeah. it's like there's something missing there and i actually i yeah i, I agree with you the dialogue is a bit um the chemistry on screen isn't isn't quite the same, but I always thought their kind of lunches were a bit contrived anyway, because it was just all four of them individually talking about themselves. And there never mm. seemed to be any camaraderie there between them, um, mm. unless and something when, sad happened to one of them, and then they would offer their token support. But yeah. it was always real, like, I had a thing with my chiropodist, and he did this, and I, blah, blah, mm. blah. And yeah. <laughs> they're all always like that. Yeah, and it's when you have, we see them as a group of friends, you're like, would you see, the, like, what, what do they have in common? What, but, is that not a reflection on real people in real life you might know people from when you were (laughs) seriously (laughs) you might know people from years ago but like you know those ties that bind can kind of drift over time and like sometimes you're like what do we have in common other than like as we've said ourselves our shared history Uh, Mm. we've like you people turn into very different people when they when they grow up and they have a family and they fucking move somewhere else Um, that's true and, but you still maintain those friendships, but maybe you're not really as close as you used to be, and maybe you never will be again. Uh, and maybe those those 
meetups are not as uh, there isn't as much chemistry in them because you've all changed, but you yeah. still are there for each other in a way. Yeah, but that's I think that's yeah. realistic. Mm. It's life. Mm. Mm. Are we giving the, the writers too much credit there, though? <laughs> that they uh, possibly, possibly are. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a lot. On, and just like that. And just like that, we're finished. We were finished that part of the E, which in itself isn't finished as a section yet. Yes. Uh, can I just say here at this juncture, do you mind if I took a short break and made another coffee? Because I think I'm going to need it to get through this. Uh, and got some more water. Yes. Let's Maybe. take a mid-section break. Okay. I'll come back at 10 past 11. Okay. All right. I'll uh, just leave it on the board. Do you mind if we... Um, don't do much editing on this episode, by the way. <laughs> I don't mind that at all. Just great. Yeah, just we'll lump just play it in something there. here, like some some uh, thirty second interlude, but it's not the real interlude. Yeah. It's a thirty second mini interlude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, all right. I'll be back in a sec. All right. Bye. See you soon. <clears throat> a short break we're back and now it's time to get back with the Beatles <laughs> yes and uh, yes the point I wanted to make about get back the Beatles documentary which is a, a kind of an unreleased footage documentary about the Beatles um, collaborating on their last album and there's a lot of sort of tension between them at that stage according to legend and uh, they get together and you just watch it it's a convoluted story but <laughs> Anyway, the thing I wanted to to say about that is the the amount of fun they had together in the midst of a supposedly like tense period of time for them. But that's one thing. And then the other thing is it it made me miss writing songs with you to to see the chemistry between um, McCartney and Lennon as they were writing. It's like um, I know that was coming to the end of their Beatles and their collaboration and they weren't collaborating uh, as intensely as they had previously but it's just how easily they would add to each other's songs yeah like without even trying like i know just add the extra melodies or the extra uh what, what's the word for when two people sing at different levels or pitches harmonies harmonies yeah or or like the instrumentals and and things and they just got each other so well and um you can see like when McCartney and, and John Lennon went their separate ways and did solo stuff, it just wasn't as good as what they produced together uh, as I the know. two main songs well, in the Beatles. No, no, it's not as good as the Beatles, actually. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it's brilliant. And I, I've only watched the first... Have you watched the whole thing? Yeah, I have. You sat through all of it. Wow, that's mad. Did, did you watch it with Liz? I did, yeah. And did she enjoy it as well? She did, yeah. But you know yourself when you're watching it, it's a kind of a thing you sort of have on in the background like, well yeah no i was watching it intently but i i can't consume too much of it in a, in a, in a go because, because of the length so i watched the first episode in two parts with elaine then we watched half of the next one and she's big into the beatles as well so she really liked it but like the next episode is over three hours long or something so we're halfway through episode two but we will finish it 
but yes very same i thought it was fascinating fascinating look behind the curtain and the songwriting process and it just shows you even from the beatles down to the lineup everybody writes songs <laughs> in the same way <laughs> yeah You're just like would that would that word work well here no we'll change it oh fuck it it doesn't matter um I love the bit yeah. where he's writing. Um, she came in through the bathroom window, and he's like, and John Lennon starts singing. He's like, and so I quit the police department. And then John Lennon shouts, shouts in, "Get a job, copper!" And he's doing all this <laughs> running commentary and stuff on it. It's fucking brilliant. Like, yeah, um, yeah, the banter, yeah, and the, the chemistry is just, yeah. Great. And then like, like the George Harrison thing, obviously, was like when he quit. I was like, well, he's obviously not quitting. He's just pissed off at that <laughs> yeah. moment in time. <laughs> yeah. And they got him back. Like, well, we all knew he came back, but, um, but yeah, it's yeah. a fascinating look at like the, the most successful songwriters in the world and how it's no different to any pair or any group of lads sitting there writing a song. Really? Yeah. You just come um, in with an idea and you have, you have, um, McCartney casually in the back, shitting out classics like let it be just randomly yeah. r- writing let it be on the piano while no one's even looking at him yeah they're like taking the piss out of it yeah like john lennon describes it as oh we're we doing mother mary again yeah and then um your man i can't i don't know like i wish i knew who all these kind of movers and shakers were in the background wearing the suits i'm sure if i read like a beatles biography or something i know who they all were but i don't but uh, one of the guys is just casually taking down the lyrics of let it be as as lennon is playing it for the first time it's just like what yeah <laughs> But and you know what I did actually uh, uh, after mm-hmm. watching a couple of those episodes? I watched the film uh, uh, yesterday. Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen that one. So that's the film where a guy is in a car crash, and when he comes back around after being in hospital, he wakes up. He realizes he's the only person oh, on the planet. I actually have seen that. Yeah, <laughs> to remember the Beatles uh, songs, and actually, enjoy, I quite enjoyed that film. Um, but it was kind of a timely yeah. thing where he's playing "Let It Be" for his parents, and they're like, mm, and they keep interrupting him and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like you're the first person to let it be <laughs> but uh anyway sorry that's just kind of a side point no, but, um, no. it's 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 very it's it's it, i can't it's believe they, i can't believe they were sitting on all that footage for 50 years and it just yeah. sat there and wasn't produced or turned into anything and like now it's really apparently it's been colorized as well so i don't think it was recorded in black and white i oh, sorry i don't think it was recorded in color all right yeah so that's that. just unbelievable yeah and I, I just find it's so fascinating watching and all the like the tensions between them, like they I think like they were on the run of a really te- 10 years of intense music writing and touring and they were completely burned out. I yeah, would say. But they, they hadn't played live for years at that point because yeah. they couldn't anymore because it was too mental. That's like the whole thing of like, we're going to do this comeback gig is go- was going to be the whole huge idea of them playing live again for the first time in ages. Yeah. And yeah, and even like George Harrison growing in his confidence and his belief in himself, and mm. him being still treated like he 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 shouldn't be writing the songs by, especially McCartney, who was yes. subtly like puts him down. Yes, and like it's funny to see McCartney running the show entirely um, as the complete leader of the band, but they certainly do need somebody like that because, like. If it weren't for him, I don't think they would have got anything done. And they were actually writing two albums during that period because most of the songs they're coming up with in the episodes I've seen are from Abbey Road, which they released first. And then Let It Be was the final album released, although they recorded Let It Be first, apparently. Um, but like, it's, it's a whole pot of songs that covered off those two albums. And like the creativity was there, but McCartney has to really kick it up the arse like, to get yeah. it out. Well, like, Lennon was complete, a lot of it time off his off his face on drugs you can see like he's just out of see, it he's I didn't vacant. pick I didn't pick that up so I was chatting to my friend Darren and I was like I'm surprised how quiet John Lennon is in this whole thing because the 
impression we've been given in the media, in the press over the years, is that McCartney and Lennon were at each other's throats, certainly towards the end. And John Lennon is just sitting there placid, saying nothing, not even contributing songs in the early stages. And Yoko Ono is just sitting there saying nothing as well. And uh, Darren was like, oh, no, Lennon was on heroin at that time. I was like, ah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it adds a kind of a sinister edge to like Yoko Ono. I think there's one point where she hands him something that looks like drugs, just Mm. very subtly. And the way she's just there with him the whole time, just sitting silently. I'm just wondering, like, like I was having this conversation with Elaine. It's like, why is she there? And is is it him wanting her there, or is it her wanting to be there? Um, and like, Mm. only halfway through episode two, do they even bring up? her as a topic of conversation when john isn't there the other three are kind of sitting around and paul is like well if, if she wants if he wants it there then it's fine i don't mind to be there but like but i'm just kind of thinking like i'd be really pissed off if somebody's girlfriend was sitting there even with us writing songs if somebody's yeah. girlfriend was sitting there on a chair the silently looking at us while we were writing lyrics I, I i find it hard enough to do that anyway without yeah. some other person just sitting looking at me and that's what i think it's like the chemistry and people have written about this it's like the the chemistry of them being alone without wives and girlfriends and stuff and outsiders mm. that's just disrupted it's not that there's like there's tension between the other band members and yeah. yoko ono or they hate her or anything mm. it's just it's just by the mere fact of somebody else sitting there yeah and and him focusing a lot on her as well john lennon focusing on her and yeah them it's, having it's so their own private bond yeah, and I, yeah. I wonder then, like, is is uh, McCartney turning it all on for the camera? Because we can't ignore the fact that the camera is there, and mm. it does seem like they're kind of disaffected or, oh, sorry, unaffected by it. But um, is he kind of playing up his whole leadership of the band in order to appear like that in the documentary? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they can't I, he, be oblivious to the fact there's a fucking video camera and a boom mic, ahead, you know, over their heads yeah. at all times when they're having these, uh, you know, casual in inverted commas conversations. Like the, I mean, you might kind of forget about it a bit after a few days or ten days of it or something, but like you can't be completely oblivious to the fact that it's yeah. been filmed and will be produced into a documentary. And this is the first time the world is ever going to see the inner workings of the Beatles. So how do yeah. you want to look? I'm surprised yeah, they didn't change their clothes that often. John Lennon comes in wearing the same thing. Tree days in a row yeah well with the heroin kind of stuff going on maybe it's not so surprising but uh yeah like if you you've got you're being filmed all the time it's harder to give out to people or give out about people i suppose you don't want that that kind of image and mccartney does also acknowledge that they had recently lost their manager Mm. um yeah i remember that so like they, they were really lacking without a manager like because there was all that like this sort of sibling rivalry between the members of the band and for for McCartney to take the leadership role was very much resented behind the surface it seems um, especially by George Harrison but probably by Lennon as well and but yeah it's, it's fascinating seeing seeing all of them but I my, my main point initially was just like that that process of creativity and I don't think you get the same buzz of that in podcasting as you do in songwriting no you don't back in the day remember when we like we'd go to dennis and and i I know we've talked about this before but you just go in and it just the 
it would flow so naturally and it reminded me obviously not in any way comparison but but John Lennon and <laughs> McCartney but we kind of had John that, Lennon like, and Paul McCartney reminded me of us of us yeah basically <laughs> but we would go in and write these songs and it was just no effort but it, it wasn't one of us coming up with an idea it was like the two of us it was collaborative it was, yeah collaborative it was really hard to say like who came up with the idea for Two-Faced Fake Snakes or or all those songs. You like, did, yeah. But like, <laughs> but, but, anyway. but, like, but like that was only the like if one of us did, had an idea. Like it yeah. became so collaborative that it, it didn't matter who. But we did certainly we did certainly do those things when we were writing our verses, and you'd be stuck on a line, and I'd be like, change that and put in blah blah blah, and you'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, that works a lot better. And you did it for me as well, definitely. Yeah. And I remember, I remember those even well before Two Face Fake Snakes when we were in the um, the ironing room upstairs in your parents' house and yeah. we were writing lyrics and it was so collaborative. It was like back and forth um, yeah. and recording them on the spot. Yeah, you're right. You don't get the same buzz from podcasting as that. Yes. Um, it, but to me, it was like the creative process was the best part of that. I really yes. liked and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and that's... I kind of feel like I've missed that. Like, the podcasting is creative and it is collaborative, but it's not It's not as creative or as collaborative, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I know what you mean. You're, you're producing something that people will listen to once, and you yourself might listen to it once, and you listen back yeah. on it, and you'd be like, that was a good episode. But, like, yeah. I don't go back and listen to episodes from 20... You don't go back and listen to it multiple times and say, that was a good one. We'd nail yeah. that, that yeah, five-minute yeah. segment there. That's true, <laughs> and it, it's, it's like... You're not producing as um, a, like a piece of art that you can revisit. That's it. Exactly. You're not collaborating on a piece of art, like a, a product of art together. That's, yeah. that's true creativity. That's what I feel like the podcasting I've missed. And kind of, I, I've had these kind of slight pangs in the back of my mind to start writing music again. Mm. Um, I don't know. You, you're probably doing a bit of that with your you was, uh, kind of a rock band going, thing going on. Just doing a bit of it with Darren, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> we haven't done it in a while. Let's put it that way. Um, but okay. um, you do get the you do certainly get that buzz. And when you get a song recorded and you get to listen back to it, it is a thrill. Definitely, we recorded them. Yeah. Um, we wrote a song on a Tuesday, rehearsed it on a Thursday, and had this really professional recording equipment in the rehearsal studio and we recorded it and it sounded really good and the whole band learned it on the Thursday a song me and Darren had written in my kitchen sitting room um, two nights before and then there was a recorded version of it with good sound quality that was a thrill I will admit that like that is something that is a real thrill and like you have Darren teaching the other lads in the band how to play this song that we just came up with um, it, it was good yeah it's, it's I do enjoy that yeah and it is when when there's abs- when there's a complete absence of that stuff in your life. It's a bit of a void, certainly. Yeah, I think so. I think the um, podcasting, just by its nature, is talking about stuff. Really, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's talking music. about the art that other people have created. Yes, that's for example, it, exactly. uh, and just like that, the Beatles, <laughs> <laughs> Everything Spotify. <laughs> well, the closest to to uh, this sounds a bit. Um, I don't know. Conceited, Go on, don't, closest, don't qualify. The closest to it. art in the feck and check and many, maybe is the funny observations because they are our personal observations and comedy observations, but they're not really collaborative. 
No, that's an individual thing. Yeah, it's an individual they, but you, you're right though. They're kind of like stand-up comedy pieces from a show, yes. Um, yes. and I quite enjoy them as well, especially when I'm yeah. feeling particularly ranty, yeah. <laughs> and I know I'm going to deliver it well. But uh, yeah, and the other the other creative like arty things we've done are like those really weird episodes with the characters and stuff, which people don't really tend to get. <laughs> no, they, 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 I think they're very much tailored to our sense of humor. Or to yes. a limited number of people who know and us you and grew have up to with got us. the jokes back in the day. Yeah. yeah, and it's unfortunate because like other people, like other collaborators, have been able to tailor their individual sense of humour and, and make it have mass appeal. Um, with our small attempt at that, we don't seem to have achieved that. But at least, do you know what? At least we we did something different as well. Like you know, it's it's good to try yeah. different things. You know, I wouldn't I not, I wouldn't worry so much about the the mass appeal thing. I'm just like the thing that really. Um, gets me going <laughs> is that creative process of art and I, I didn't really kind of realise that until recently I think it was taking a break from the podcast for, or we hadn't been doing it as, as recent I wasn't so much missing the podcast I was missing creating stuff with you collaboratively and the podcast was sort of is sort of doing those things I feel like this for example is an interesting episode and it we're is. creating <laughs> but do you know what as well is interesting is that we don't talk to each other on the phone or even really via WhatsApp. So the conversations we do have are recorded and this is one of them. <laughs> yes. And these are better conversations that we have in person. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I spoke to you at Ross's wedding there the other week, but you can't be talking about this shit. No. Uh, at your friend's wedding, having deep <laughs> no, conversations about creativity. <laughs> like there's a best man speech going on. Like, down, I missed the back. time when we... <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry, you weren't at the full thing, but anyway, you know what I mean. Yes, yes. I know what you mean, yes. Yeah, you, you don't get these spaces in life to go off and talk about this stuff. But um, I remember, uh, sorry if this has gone on No, fuck long. it. For the, fuck fuck it. it, keep going. This will be a two-hour episode. But I remember remember me, you, and Daly, our friend, met yeah. up. Yeah, And uh, he came over and we had a guitar and mm-hmm. we started writing songs. We did. Now, I think that was a really nice uh, idea for creativity. But the problem was that the technology, the, we didn't have the skills to do it. No. And we did come up with a song, though, which wasn't we did, we, terrible. We came up with a song, but it was a bit unsatisfactory because of how it was recorded. I think we should have just recorded the whole thing live just in one, one go instead of like, putting in different parts of it yes and it was overproduced cut, yeah <laughs> and we lost yeah. the flow down of it yeah exactly so we should have recorded like maybe so three this or four is songs. the way it is <laughs> yeah for hope regret and bliss yeah and going back on that for like eight hours on one song yeah like and not being able to do the studio magic because uh, we don't have the skills to get we don't to we're do not that. magicians <laughs> exactly no but we could have done like four or five songs just like jamming type of songs and recorded rough versions of them and then i also think the other times where we were most collaborative with the lineup was when we went to dennis's house and we we were together in the room writing some of the songs together or we had verses written beforehand but we'd go in and like perfect them together we didn't know which way we were going to present them or in which order they would appear in the song or if we chop off a bit and use that as the chorus yeah i remember it all yeah Yeah, it was was a great great time yeah so yeah that's something i would be interested in doing again Mm, again and again Again the only thing with me is and this is kind of maybe going to be a stumbling block is i don't think i have the enthusiasm to write a rap song anymore Mm. yes for you it was a vehicle yeah for, and for it's your creative i couldn't like i don't i'd feel 
like a fraud like I did for years but mm. <laughs> like yes. now especially like when I'm 36 now you're fully aware of it <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't think I could write a rap song and deliver it uh, 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 and if we did yes. having to have those conversations with your CMXs and those people I, I just found I was soul destroying um, uh, what conversations was like about about the music yeah or like <laughs> like how like ah uh, like he'd be like did you listen to the new it was like no <laughs> I didn't yes I'm recording rap songs yes I'm doing a gig where I rap live to an yeah. audience no I don't listen to rap music thank you CMX Hmm. Yes, and I guess that was pointing out uh, how absurd that is. It's not completely <laughs> alone. Like there are plenty of musicians now who are in bands, and they don't listen to the genre of music that they're oh, in. All right, I didn't know that. I thought that was kind of unique. I hadn't heard of anyone like that. But it's as a result of the fact that may maybe they created a genre, or they were there at the start, or. Hmm. They were there at a particular pivotal movement of a genre, and the media decided that they were part of a movement that they themselves didn't decide. Uh, for example, punk or the new wave of British heavy metal or something. Like the people in those bands don't necessarily listen to punk or don't listen to heavy metal, but they were inspired by something else. This is a slightly different, but like I've certainly read yeah. interviews with musicians where they're like, oh, "I don't really listen to, <laughs> you know, yeah. heavy, heavy metal." Hard uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but like. But I don't think it was, it wasn't acceptable for me not to have any knowledge about rap. And that always used to make me feel uncomfortable and like a fraud, massive imposter syndrome. Even though I liked recording and writing the songs and performing them, I didn't want to actually have to talk to anybody about them. Yes. Yeah. So maybe it's it's rap, like at that stage, you were enjoying it individually, but you didn't want to... You felt like a fraud in that you weren't a, a rapper, like no, a, and I like the, the culture does nothing for me to be honest with you. Um, it doesn't really appeal to me, uh, and it never did. And that's another thing as well. But that's a lot. It's a lot of barriers that you would have, like personal preference barriers to writing a rap song with mm. me again. Let's say, <laughs> <laughs> and those are perfectly valid. Yeah. And, and it's it's a shame because I did love writing songs and performing them and collaborating on them. But at the same time, the after effects of actually having to... You didn't to. enjoy No, I did. And I was like being at a gig and somebody coming over to you and being like, oh, you know, do you like this? I didn't kind of even... I remember one time, like, Bonner was like, um, do you even know who Jay Dilla is? I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you like, use loads of his beats. I was like, I'm aware of that because I remember you had a, an instrumental vinyl album of his beats. But like... At the same time, I was like, no, I'm not aware. No, I didn't go and investigate it, and I'm not going to, and you can tell me who he is, and I don't care. Mm. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think... I it think... would be like somehow if you ended up in a heavy metal band with me. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, you got a kick out of doing it, but then afterwards, loads of people were like, oh, that really reminds me of like that unreleased Judas Priest demo from 1981, where they had the a different producer and you'd be just kind of going huh hmm yeah I just I yeah I couldn't see myself doing heavy metal or, or a genre of music that I wasn't interested in um this is the thing though like I did like Eminem at the time and Messiah Jane the expert yes. that was enough of an entry point for me but I never you did really find it easy to write rap songs as well 
Yes. Like it came naturally to you to to, let, let's, to tell let's a story in a rap. Paint a clearer picture here. I was listening to Eminem for a period of my life almost exclusively. Um, now, again, I yeah. know it's just it's Eminem. He's the most mainstream rap star ever, probably, or most successful ever. And that is not a representation of hip hop as a music genre. But I really did like listening to him. And to be perfectly frank it's because he was white and it felt like a more realistic entry point for me um rather than a whole genre of music that i didn't really know about mm. yes and I, that's the same for a lot of people that can't be a coincidence that he's the most successful rapper of all time and he's white yeah and that's perfectly justifiable and i don't think um i don't think you have to defend that position i think it makes a lot of sense uh but it but going back to now you're desire to revisit writing rap songs it doesn't seem to be nearly as half as strong as it was back then I, like, I, don't, I don't know I suppose like you, maybe you seem to have a lot of I'm, I'm going to use the word hang up I, I don't want mean that in a negative way but I can't think of a better word but you've sorry reservations whereas back in the day you either weren't fully aware of those reservations or didn't care about I did have things. them and they made me feel uncomfortable and now I don't know if I'd want to put myself through that again yes so I always had the reservations and the hang-ups, yeah. but I brushed them off. And I did get a kick out of doing those live gigs. Yeah. But there was a part of me that was like, this isn't where I belong. Yeah. There was something like in the later lineup stuff where it didn't seem quite right, mm. the stuff we were producing. Yeah. I don't know. It wasn't like the early stuff was just very creative and it just wrote itself almost. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. so yeah so that's okay so it's something i'm kind of interested in as well myself uh just getting back into doing that creative process because you know what kind of i'd be happy to do a, a session and see how we get on and see how yes. i feel doing it <laughs> yes and if it feels good maybe do it again and yeah. again, and again. <laughs> and again and again do you know like i don't know i'm probably being too much of a gobshite about it like if we somehow wrote a few songs we were happy with them. And then we did a gig in the International and we played them and a few people came. I would actually probably enjoy that quite a lot. But as long as that's all it is, because anything beyond that is like, I don't have yeah. the energy mentally to put into thinking that we might go further or releasing the stuff or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking even even beyond before, like a performance, just writing stuff just for the sake of that. Like, that's what, when I was watching The Beatles, it's just the enjoyment of writing songs and being creative. And not, like, in the past, we were, we were always, like, thinking of the end goal, like, of becoming more popular and growing mm. as a, like, a success or whatever, or doing a performance in the international. Mm. But even, like, what I missed, and what I miss in the podcasting is it's not the same creative buzz as it was writing songs. And I think it's hard, hard, I could do that on my own, but I think it's hard to do it on your own because you kind of have to motivate yourself it is yeah, because there's no collaboration or back and forth yeah it's much easier to put collaborative collaboration to actually go in and you, you end up writing about something completely different than you had in mind mm. and it's less kind of forced or something yeah um like when me you and daily met that day we wrote a song about the hunchback of notre dame <laughs> <laughs> the social hun hunchback of notre dame yeah so yeah i i yeah a session think about it anyway i don't want to trap you <laughs> trap me on a podcast Tra trapped you got you recorded now of saying that but it's something that i've realized recently with podcasting that it, 
doesn't quite give me the creative buzz that writing songs does. And I don't know. I, I would really like to... Do you know what? The other thing is we never wrote songs with good microphones. That's and true as well, yeah. Our knowledge of studio mixing and stuff is a lot better now. I would actually be able to edit a song now um, with what yeah. you, you taught me and what I've been putting into practice for the last year or so. Um, yeah, and I also think that maybe the previous albums, we um, I took on a task that was beyond my abilities, like to actually produce, like to write electronic music, to write the beats, to write the instrumentals. Like that's a really, really skilled task. And I could do that if I like did a course on it and spent three years. But that, like, that's what you'd need to just do. Just do that there now. Just go out and go <laughs> off and do that there. <laughs> Come back to you when we're forty. Back to me in three years. In when we're forty. Yeah. But I think that was actually a, after the first album or two. That was actually a, a creative drain, and that all the songs were coming out of what we'd written, but they weren't sounding the way that we were happy with. Mm. And it was a it was a whole like barrier to creating the music that we wanted. Whereas the first two albums, we didn't have those worries. The Southampton B-sides. Yeah, the Southampton. Now, I think they were good songs and and like with proper instrumentals behind them and production and all that. They they were good songs, but we we disguised that fact well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, but if something in 2022 isn't mixed right and... The line-up, 2022. (laughs) Coming back... In our late 30s. 18 years later. Yeah. My God. This no, is the, what, fucking, what I, this is the was, fucking 18th anniversary, actually, I think, yeah. well, close enough to. 18 years. Wow. Uh, no, but what I would say is what we never actually tried to do is... Actually, yeah. sorry, we started the lineup when we were 18, and now it's 18 years later. I don't know, that seems relevant. Oh, yeah, well then, it's an adult life or something, mm. that sort of metaphor there. The lineup as an as a entity can now legally drink. Yes, it's grown up. Anyway, sorry. Um, but I was just going to say what we never actually did was uh, used other people's beats that were not copy- that we had copyright control over mm. and just recorded our voices over that ourselves with our mm. really good microphones and just mm. mixed that together. I think we mm. could easily do that. Mm. We've never actually done that. <laughs> That's true. No. Never. And you can buy a beat now, as you know, online for 50 euro or whatever. Yeah. So if we were to do it like buy a beat I'd for 50 euro, buy a beat. So if we were to just mess around and record a few songs, I would say we just buy those beats, put like buy four beats or something like that, and just have a session mm. and see see how we get on. And and I think it would come out sounding a lot better. Beats, man, the beats. Okay, you've convinced me. Let's give it a go. Oh, yo. Okay, beats, you've heard it here first. Uh, Liz is in the background here. <laughs> Don't know what she'll make hi, Liz. of it. <laughs> but uh, hi to Liz. She's making her breakfast. All right. What's she having? She is having overnight oats. Oh, excellent. She's, so she's they've, it's been it's been making itself overnight. Yes. If you will. Yes. She put a lot of effort into it. Anyway, <laughs> it's very very uh, delicious. So after this podcast, I'm going to have that as well. But yeah, let's not really go into that further. I, I imagine. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I don't think we can at this juncture. It's an um, hour and 21 minutes <laughs> at this stage. Um, we will have to finish uh, soon enough. But I think that, like, we haven't ever tried that. I think, it w- like, there's no pressure on it and it would be enjoyable. And I would say there's no end goal to it, just that creative process that Lennon and McCartney had in Get Back for us to replicate that Okay, in the lineup. Nice way to wrap up that point there. Okay, we're going to take a small little break here. We're going to come at you with culture. So, we are keeping on trucking here on a very lengthy feckin' check-in, the 1st of 2022, and many topics have been discussed so far. We've done the F, we've done the E, and now we're on to the C for culture. And the first point in culture is alcohol price rises in Ireland, something that I wanted to discuss because it's a topic very close to my heart. And uh, this was something I feared happening, and I've seen it happening already, and I'm bloody well disappointed with it. And I'm going to explain what that is. So... For years in the Republic of Ireland, they have been talking about introducing, when I say they, I mean the government, introducing a minimum price per unit of alcohol so that people cannot buy a big massive tray of Guinness, let's say, at Christmas time. They were actually doing them as low as 24 cans of Guinness for for 15 euro, I saw was the lowest, Uh, but it's commonplace to see 24 cans for 24 or 24 for 20. Uh, And then you have your dirt cheap beer, like your Galahad Lager from Aldi or your uh, Excelsior or whatever the hell it's called from Little. Really, really cheap cans of beer for like 86 cent or even cheaper. Uh, you've got your 12 cans of Tesco Lager for like 7 euro something in Tesco. So they wanted to eliminate that to allegedly stop people from overindulging in alcohol because if the alcohol was priced higher in theory, then people will be less likely to drink it. Now, let's forget about even talking about that logic, which is inherently flawed. Um, But what it means is that alcohol is going to increase in price because all of these cans, let's say, of alcohol that are below... So, sorry, now, one unit of alcohol needs to cost one euro. That's the thing that's been brought in. Um, So, a unit of alcohol... Oh, Jesus, I can't even remember the fucking calculation. But um, basically... There's an online calculator you can use now. So a can of Guinness, for example, if you enter in the number of milliliters in a can of Guinness, a standard can is 500, and you enter in the alcohol by volume, which is 4.2% for a can of Guinness, that equals the can should cost at least €1.66 in order to comply with the minimum unit pricing guidelines by the government. Now, if a can of alcohol or a drink of alcohol increases in price as a result of the introduction of the minimum unit price, The government are not taking any extra stake. There's no extra VAT or uh, levies or anything on this. They are just implementing it to allegedly discourage people from buying large quantities of alcohol. Or or certainly people, it's a a regressive kind of tax in that it really targets people on lower incomes. Um, They can't afford as much alcohol as they used to be able to afford. But it should not increase the price of something that's already within the guideline price of the minimum unit price. So I'll give an example here. My local shop sells cans of Guinness individually for €2. Euro. So as we've just discussed there, I've used the calculator. A can of Guinness need only cost €1.66 to comply with the minimum unit pricing guidelines. Therefore, 
my local shop, which is a convenience store. I won't say it by name because I actually like the shop and I hope they change their ways. Um, my local shop should not need to increase the price of a can of Guinness. Uh, the price increases for minimum unit pricing do not apply to wholesalers. So wholesalers need not increase their prices either. Um, so there's no reason why the two euro can of Guinness that was two euro a few days ago in my local shop should increase in price. Yet, when I went in there two days ago, a can of Guinness had jumped from two euro to two euro 78. That's a 39% increase in price. As a comparison, a Latvian lager that I buy sometimes, which comes in a 568 milliliter bottle and costs 220, did not increase in price in the same shop. Uh, a can of Bulmers, which used to cost two euro again for an individual can, was increased in price two days ago to two euro fifty. Again, the can of Bulmers is within the minimum unit pricing guidelines at its price of two euro, so should have no need to increase in price. The wholesaler does not have these rules enforced upon them. They should have no reason to increase their prices. And as a point of comparison, my local Aldi, which sells both Bulmers and Guinness, hasn't increased their price on either can. So. This is absolute gouging by the shop, my local shop, which I really like and I've been going to for nearly six years. And my fear when this was announced years ago is that what is is that this would happen, that the Guinnesses of the world are going to be priced at a premium rate because they don't want to be as expensive as some dirty lager, which is now going to cost nearly as close as a Guinness because they have to charge that much for it because they have to meet the minimum unit pricing guidelines. But it doesn't appear that they the wholesalers or the suppliers have put up the cans. In this case, it appears that the shop individually has decided to gouge the customers in a 39% price <laughs> increase on a can of Guinness. Mm. <laughs> so good at you. Okay, so let's move on with culture because there's more of these coming at you thick and fast. And the next one is something that you brought up. It is the culture of keeping schools open at all costs during COVID. So let's hear your opinions on I'll that. I'll tell you my opinion. My opinion on the culture of keeping schools open at all costs during COVID. Um, however, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, I didn't, I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, no, um, they're keeping schools open at all costs. They're giving us all this public health advice because of COVID. A uh, certain amount of meters, you're not supposed to be around people. You need to be well ventilated, need masks, etc., etc. But when it comes to schools, then at the same time, they're like a packed 30 people in a room. Um, they're, they're like, no, schools are the safest place possible. Schools are fine. Yeah, everybody can, can go into schools and it's, it's completely safe. And we've no evidence of COVID being spread in schools. It's like yes, it's because they don't allow the children to say why they're off school and the teachers aren't allowed to ask. So if a child is not in school, they have to call in sick. The child does not have to disclose and the teacher is not allowed to ask and the principal and the school are not allowed to ask. So those cases are not being documented. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know the specifics of that. So that's good to, to hear. But it's like all of those cases are counted as community transmission, all the ones that are rising. So, so it's like there's zero cases <laughs> arise from schools, basically. Yeah. I think the whole schools thing is because it's such a clusterfuck to have children at home. They yeah, don't know what so else too. to do. I think so too, but I think they should be up, up front about that. <laughs> yeah. Because like it's just all this nonsense that schools are really safe. They're not safe. Of course they're not safe. They're a fucking haven for a fucking disease and anything at the best of times let alone COVID. Yeah. 
So I don't. That was not kind disease, of but like viruses. And stuff. It's a virus. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of my point on it. Really, I, I just uh, I'm being lied to, and everybody's been lied to, and everybody can see through it. But they're going on with this subterfuge. Lie. Subterfuge. Yeah, mm. complete nonsense that everyone can see through. Yeah. Um, like, I, I see, just I think be upfront that, about it. Just say, like, we, yeah. we, we can't close down the, the economy. Yeah, I know, I know, we need I know. to keep schools open. They're, they're pretty unsafe, to be honest. It is. They're pretty it, unsafe. COVID, lots of your kids are going to get COVID. And teachers. And the teachers are going to go home and spread it as well. I know. Yeah. Um, I think the thing is, is that I'm not trying to be all this, oh, I'm playing devil's advocate. But <laughs> I, I honestly do, trying to put myself in the, in the shoes of the government, I do think it's probably better for everybody if they do lie to us about that. Well, then we're lying to ourselves as well. But they can't... My, Michal Martin can't go on the news and say schools are a haven for COVID, yet we're <laughs> keeping them open because we don't know what to do other than that. We know you all work and you can't stay at home and you can't get the child minders, so we're keeping the schools open. He can't address the nation like that. He, he can't. Well, but at the same time, nobody, nobody believes what they're saying. Like... <laughs> It's in, like, and they're actually doing. They're not. They're not testing for COVID in schools. Yeah, so I know, it's complete I know. denial. So are are we all just supposed to go along with this big lie and and tell ourselves that that it's okay in schools and that there's no transmission whatsoever? And again, it's okay for the kids, but the teachers are are the the main victims here because they're more likely to have severe effects than the the young kids. No, no, you're right. Actually, you're right. I can't even try and defend it. Even trying to put myself in the shoes of the government, it's bu- it's bullshit, and you're completely it's bizarre, right. Bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's complete bullshit, and you're completely right. But like, I mean, they've shown such a lack of like. <laughs> I'm reminded of a quote from Fraser. Are you still looking for that spine donor? They're absolutely spineless uh, with yeah. how they've dealt with this and how they've approached it. So. To lift the lid on the schools thing would be to fucking <laughs> let the cat out of the bag. All sorts of metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. To use another one. Um, yeah. Like, it would just. It would be. I think it would be anarchy actually if they said that because no one, even though everyone knows it's a lie about the schools thing, and everyone knows it's bullshit. If they all of a sudden admitted to it. Then everyone would be like, well, if that's a lie, what else is a lie? And, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and people would be out in the streets having fornication yeah. and lighting each other on fire. And <laughs> fornication. <laughs> that's a great word. But they would, though. Like, people would just, even though people probably don't respect the government for the lie that they're telling at the moment, I think people would respect them even less if they came out and said it's a lie. Because people would be mm. like, well, what else is a fucking lie? You lying shower of bastards. What else have you been lying to us about? Everything? Well, that is, that is, a, I, I understand that. It's kind of like they've gone so far with the lie. And we've probably all gone, had this experience in our life <laughs> where the lie goes so far that you just, to back out now would be <laughs> disastrous. <laughs> like you have a blowjob in your bag? Oh, yes. Shane Scotty. Oh, we can edit that out. Edit that out. Well, we won't. Who cares? We're barely an hour and a half into this episode. It's a deep, deep reference in an episode. The feckin' check-in. Uh, but yeah, um, it's a complete farce. And It was um, actually not the blowjob in the bag I was thinking. It was the you owe me a fiver. But you anyway. Owe a, you owe me a fiver. Because this is me. You owe me a fiver. And then, the, yeah, you couldn't. You'd gone so far with the joke that, that you had to see it through. He gave you the fiver in the end, didn't he? He gave me the fiver in the end. Convinced him he owed me a fiver. It wasn't a nice thing to do, but um, it was. <laughs> so you start to believe it yourself after a while. Um, but 
I guess the other uh, the only alternative they they would have had is no, we have to keep the the school. Well, there's two I think. One would be we have to close the schools or make it remote only, and that mm. therefore we have to shut large sections of the economy down, mm. um, which I understand they don't want to do. Or they could say we are going to let COVID spread amongst the kids because they're not going to suffer much from it. And yeah. the cases or kids are fine. And we're going to protect the teachers. We're going to have special uh, domes or bubbles around the teachers or something. Mm. But they haven't done that either. Sure, you can't do that because if a child is misbehaving or something like, let's say a junior infant or a senior infant, you couldn't have a dome around the teacher to fucking yes. <laughs> separate them. But now then the teachers are the ones being exposed at close proximity to a room of 30 people every day for seven hours a day. So you're putting the teachers at risk to keep this charade, this lie going, and you're never acknowledging that they're at risk, more so than anyone else in probably in the whole society. Well, that's an overreaction, but one of the most... The old society. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, yeah. It is, no, you're right, it's bullshit. It's, It's not... Defendable. It's indefensible. Um, however, <laughs> do you have a however? Or says no. No, I don't. I just wanted to say. I think though, what I said um, is has a grain of truth to it. In that, I, if I they agree. started saying that now, they'd lose they'd lose their grasp because people would just run wild with it. They like they'd use it as an excuse to do everything, uh, and which is fornication. <laughs> fornication in the streets by by noon <laughs> by noon fornication by noon by noon okay that's a nice way to finish off on that one and, and in this everlasting episode we have a third cultural point right so yeah this is another one from you so this is friend culture in late 30s so this is I think this was added late because I don't remember yeah, talking about this yeah it was just added onto <laughs> the jacket fucking adding to it yeah so I uh, obviously I'm having a baby soon. I'm very excited about that. But that's but not I'm obvious s- though, because you've never mentioned that before in the podcast. So that's yeah, an announcement. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like it's kind of personal. And I no, it like, is. Yeah, but you've like just it. said it now, so I just feel like yeah. we should mark it by saying it's an announcement. Yes, it's an announcement to the listener. Right. right. Um, <clears throat> but I've watched my friends who've had kids from from afar, and like Peter following Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I need the biblical reference there, but uh, and I've wondered, like, after they've had kids, they have tended to focus less on their friend group, mm-hmm. and I've wondered about that. And I thought, oh, they've kind of been a bit short-sighted there, and maybe they will kind of they're shooting themselves in the foot there, kind of thing. Mm. And we, as a friend group, are losing out because they're not making themselves available and if i was in their shoes i would still make myself available yes etc that's what that would be my mindset but i think now that when you start when you're having the kid or the kid is on the way in my case um the baby's on the way um, Mm and what happens is you're going through a major life change obviously Mm -hmm. but it's it's almost as if your family and your extended family becomes your core friend group because everybody in that group, the family group, is going through the massive change. So people are becoming uncles, grandparents, mm. cousins. People are going to think about how they're going to mind the baby. So yeah. for all of those people, it's life-changing. And for you, it's life-changing. And everybody in your family really, really, really cares about it and gets your presence and you talk about it all the time. And mm. you're sharing this massive change yourself. But at the same time, you're not sharing any of that with your friends and your mm. friends 
And your friends, frankly, don't care. Exactly. Yeah. And when other people were having kids, I couldn't as much connect to that as well. I like, yeah, as you put it bluntly, <laughs> you don't care. And it's the most normal thing in the world. So it's like you're going through this massive life change with your family group. And I think then it makes sense that to focus on that. I thought it was like a short sighted and stuff when I was looking at it from the outside. But now as I'm going through it, it's like I'm going through this massive life change, but my friends can't connect with it and I can't connect with well, them about it. Nine, eight out of ten of your friends can connect to it. But now they can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm on the other side. I can connect with them yeah. on that. But yeah, when eight I out of ten cats. Have, yeah, but when I didn't have kids, I couldn't connect with them on it, mm. and I didn't care. Yeah. So well, I remember a, a similar conversation with my sister, and she was saying, like, she has two kids now; they're like, old enough now; they're t- uh, twelve and, and ten, and um, or twelve and nine, nearly ten. She was saying when all her friends started having kids earlier than her, she couldn't have given a fuck <laughs> about <laughs> their kids, and she was just like, oh, she just wanted to kind of have her friends, and yeah. she was completely understanding of. Not that I don't give a fuck about her kids, I do, they're my nieces, but it's certainly when when my friends start having kids, I'm quite far removed from that process, so it's not a big massive deal to me, especially mm. after the first one or two are out of the way, it's like everybody's having a kid now. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, you become a bit jaded to it as an observer yeah. on the outside, you're like, oh, they're having a kid now, right, what's your kid's name? I can't even remember. Uh, yeah. How many and are there now? It's a classic thing when they show you pictures of their kids and you, as a man anyway, you don't really yeah no there's no maternal instinct there certainly yeah or paternal in my in my case um but women more naturally do have that maternal instinct um but yeah it's it's (laughs) like i will never have children i made that decision in the last few years i don't want to have any and it is interesting to be on the outside of that and watch everybody turning into a father and a parent uh, and um, all of that stuff but like i understand it like i'm not yeah begrudging of that i know that as a friend group, our male friends will never be going out to the pub all the time ever again. And that's completely normal. And I've seen it happen with my brother's friends as they, as he got older and they got older and mm. all that type of stuff. And it's just, it's the circle of life. Um, yes. It's a life stage, isn't it? And you kind of, it's a shame for the friend group because mm. you kind of, everyone goes into their life changing thing and focus on their families and extended families. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's nothing to connect because everyone's so intensely focused on that, understandably. There's yeah. nothing to connect the wider group because the wider group are not sharing that experience with. No, with no, unless they meet up for little kind of kid meetups and run around the park and all that type of stuff. Which, yeah. But yeah. I, 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 I've made several friends in the last year who are my age or older, male friends, through the medium of Twitter and podcasting and stuff, none of whom have kids. And I found it quite interesting that I seem to gravitate towards older people who have no kids in my, in my later yeah. life completely accidentally but these are the type of people who have time to chat and who have time to do a zoom call and who have time to run their own podcast and that's how i met them and have time mm. to talk about heavy metal and go to gigs and all that type of stuff so you know yes. what i'm trying to say to you is you've been replaced <laughs> yeah fair enough yeah but that is completely logical for, for that to happen because you're like the disconnection that a sort of natural disconnection happens between people who have kids and people who don't have kids. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm of course joking to some degree. I know, I know. Yeah, no, replaced. to some degree, but some degree <laughs> completely serious. Yeah. But if you're somebody like me, uh, you need to look elsewhere for your friends yeah. when your friends all start having kids because they're not going to be there and that's completely understandable and there's no begrudgery on my part about that or yes. bitterness or anything like that but they're not going to be there they're not going to be able to go to the pub they're certainly not going to be able to do something at the drop of a hat ever again for at least 18 
to maybe 20 years, they will never be able to spontaneously do anything ever again. Uh, so you just have to accept that. <laughs> sorry. Wow. It's a massive change, isn't it? Well, I don't mean to, sorry. But, uh, no, but that, that gradually happens with age anyway, but it gets magnified when you have kids. Yeah, I but you can't well. though. You can't. Your children are your priority. You need somebody to look after them, mind them, be there. Somebody you trust. Those people are probably few and far between who have availability themselves. It's a complete dynamic disruptor. It, it's like, yeah. and I know, yeah, it's never going to be the same again. And that's just the way that it is. However, <laughs> I think there is a kind of a responsibility on especially male groups of friends. I'm just being stereotypical here, but like, because as you mentioned earlier, the women maybe have the kind of maternal instinct and maybe they bond more naturally about talking about each other's kids and mm. it comes up in conversation much more often with from what i've observed i would say that's yeah, true from as our well. limited observation for, yeah. so in our group like we don't start talking about kids for any length of time it's well it does happen a bit but anyway yeah but yeah but not to the same extent yeah. like so it it's kind of like you have a a kind of a responsibility to the friend group as well to make efforts to keep that going I'm just kind of conscious of that as well. That yeah. you could easily, I could easily see how people could get so insular and fo- and focused on their friend groups or, or sorry, their family group that mm. they start to reject their other male friends. And I think this does happen, especially with males, that mm. they start to drift apart. And then mm-hmm. there's lots of older men who don't have any friends by the time they're they're fifty. They literally have no friends. Yes, and I can think of a couple very close to me who are in that position right now. Um, yeah. I've seen it happen and I'm, I'm determined yeah. not to make that happen to me. Uh, yes. But it can happen and it's very common, in fact, yeah. especially with men. Yeah. Men become very lonely, lonely married, grown-up kids when they get to a certain age and they've disregarded their friends for years yeah. and now their kids they have left the house about their, they haven't had that fallback that maybe women have stereotypically about talking about their kids all the time men don't as much do that yeah and then for some reason there's an embarrassment on on the stereotypical man to even have friendships yeah <laughs> like it's almost embarrassing when you get to a certain age for some reason yeah i've, I've gone the other way actually and friends i've made in the last 12 months i've contacted them recently and said i've really I'm really glad I met you. I consider you a good friend of mine. And this year has been brilliant for me because I met a lot of pe- lots of people who I consider now close friends. And I made the point of reaching out to them and saying that to them because mm. it's bullshit about being embarrassed to have friends as a male. Mm. That's absolute bullshit. And I think people yeah. need to shed that, shed that yes. whole thing and go and make new friends. Sorry, I'm not talking about people who've just had kids, whatever. But like, if you find stuff slipping away, Go and make an effort and, and put some effort in and make some fucking new friends or try or find people who have common interests and don't be embarrassed. Or there's a Morrissey song. Don't be so ashamed to have friends. Yes. <laughs> in fact, that's what I'm going to choose as a song of the week. It's called Hold okay. On To Your Friends and it's a fucking brilliant song. It's I think basically we had about, that already, Trainer. That, did that I play it already? <laughs> yeah, we had that already as a song of the week. <laughs> fucking I'm playing it again. I don't care. <laughs> Nobody remembers. <laughs> Fair enough. But I just, could I link it back to the point about kids? It's like, yeah, sorry. I've already seen, like, with Liz is planning her maternity leave and she's already connecting with other women who are also on maternity leave. So there's a fact of naturally, like, having uh, kids bonds you maybe with other women, I mm. would say, because you're going through this life changing experience together with men. We're not talking sometimes about this stuff and where there's a disconnect so you actually have to make a conscious effort and then you can if you go so insular into your family by the time you're 50 you've lost that 
the effort and the closeness and the connection to your main group of friends and it can be a real problem mm-hmm. and you don't have those easy fallback things so you actually mm-hmm. have to consciously make effort and as you said making new friends yeah. as well yeah i think i think men can be particularly bad at that they're, they're embarrassed about it like it's it's a thing it's like i like you in a platonic way you're a man i'm 36 and so are you it's like it's almost embarrassing to say that yes it is for some reason it's this toxic masculinity (laughs) (laughs) but that the very fucking nature of humans is to find companions whether it's platonic or in a romantic sense and like the platonic thing you have far more of those than you do have romantic Uh, so it's it's good to surround yourself with a few of those as well and don't be embarrassed about it but a final point on it I agree with that completely but a final point is it's like um I would wonder with our group of friends, not to make it too personal, but fuck it, um, <laughs> we are connecting at the moment on WhatsApp mo- mostly. Yeah. Um, and also at big events like weddings. Yeah. And the big events are sort of going to dry up. They're finished now. They're if, done. There's so, no more of them coming. Yeah. So we're going to be moving into a new era of no big events to fall back on. Mm. And a limited WhatsApp connection and limited life. Life has gone so many different ways for different people as you get mm. older and you're doing yeah. your own thing kind of thing so if, yeah. if there isn't a conscious effort of that and it's hard because there isn't a, as we've discussed ad nauseum there isn't a, a shared interest of, uh, almost well do you know what actually was I, I quite um, appreciated was that Ross put up in the group there recently about having a poker game he bought a big massive set of poker chips in order to hopefully have a, a poker tournament on day two of his wedding and yeah. was unable to because of the lack of attendance and COVID and people not hanging around for day two and stuff and the minute, the minute he, he's like should I just return this or would people be up for it the minute he put that up was like I would love to have a big poker game sometime yes. uh, and like that that is a fucking common interest certainly that's something that we can all do together and maybe yes. we should just do that for, yes. or for go lack away of anything together else yeah. do that because um, everybody enjoys that and you get your catch up with everybody as well and you have a drink or whatever and it's fucking always great yeah but you have you have to create those new experiences together and but that requires commitment and people not having their heads heads in the sand yeah um, and which uh, uh yes as we get older people have less resources to make that commitment i think or, or just less willing and i think that's i i also think you need that group of friends your old group of friends but as you have shown the way really you it's possible to make really good new friends and i think you need to to do that throughout life as well i think you do too because if well if you're like me and you've chosen not to have children you're going to be left stranded yeah and that's just a fact of life even if we did have regular meetups with the lads how regular is that going to be really at absolute maximum once a month and that even in itself is unrealistic i need more than i need more than that yeah my life (laughs) yes yeah you need different groups of friends definitely especially if you're not having kids absolutely So we're back again after a short break that we had that we maybe didn't fill you in on as the listener, but that's how it goes here on the feckin' check-in. We're going in to K, finally, for the Colonel's multiple of truth. Uh, we have two this time, like everything else. We didn't just do an individual topic this time, sure, why not? It's the first of 2022. So the first one was yours, Toomey. It's about the Pope. Why don't you fill us in? 
The Pope Francis is trying to stay relevant and he has made a comment this week. He said, couples who choose to have pets over children are selfish. Mm. So that's Pope Francis's kernel of truth. So you're telling me a robe donning, palace dwelling, cannibal vampire is encouraging an increase in procreation. (laughs) Yes. And that very vampire went on to say, today we see a form of selfishness. We see that some people do not want to have a child. Sometimes they have one and that's it. But they have dogs and cats that take the place of children. They make people laugh, but it is a reality. They may make people laugh, but it is a reality. This is a man who eats the flesh of humans and drinks their blood on a weekly basis, wearing a robe in a palace. I think he should just mind his own business. Yes. And that man goes on to say, it's a denial of fatherhood and motherhood and diminishes us, takes, us, takes away from our humanity. And he goes on to say, civilization grows old without humanity because we lose the riches of fatherhood and motherhood and it is the country that suffers. I think I can see what's going on here. He wants more people so he can eat more flesh and drink more blood. He's essentially saying, feed me more. I think we should call him Pope Ryback the first. (laughs) Feed me more. I mean, sorry, like I, I could go off on a very serious note here and about a rant about the Catholic Church, but I don't want to do that. But uh, I thought it was so absurd that it was funny. And he goes on to say, how many children in the, in the world are waiting for someone to take care of them? Having a child is always a risk, either naturally or by adoption. But it is riskier not to have them. It is riskier to deny fatherhood or to deny motherhood, be it real or spiritual. I read the whole thing. Well, I looked up a couple of articles about it and read all of those quotes that you've read out. I think it's interesting he's saying it's riskier not to have children. I don't know by what measure it's riskier not to have children than it is to have them. But also the idea that it's selfish to not have children is so flawed as a concept that I don't even know where to begin with it. I think a selfish thing you can do, and I think a selfish thing many people do, is have a child they don't want to go along with societal expectations of them. And then maybe they resent the child, or they resent the fact that they're a father, and they become a bitter, angry old man. <laughs> I'm thinking of men in particular, um, and I'm thinking of one very much in particular. Um, but to having a child because there's a societal expectation, which he is enforcing with his rhetoric, And having one just because people expect you to is more selfish than not having one and not being a terrible father and not being a bitter, resentful father. Yes, it's selfish and um, it potentially creates a number of miserable lives for no reason, just to do do with his oppression, which his church has been responsible for similar things like that over the years. And like, do you know what? Mind your own business. I mean, I know he's the Pope and all that, but like, seriously. The number of different reasons and variations about why people don't have children and don't want to, and simply flat out don't want to. And I'm speaking as an involuntary Catholic here because I was, through no fault of my own, had water shoved on my head as as an infant (laughs) in some kind of weird ceremony that I had no choice in the matter of participating in. So I'm speaking as a Catholic here, even though I don't identify as one really, but shut the fuck up the Pope <laughs> it's, not, it's none of your business what I do with my life and stop putting water on fucking kids heads when they have no choice in the matter as well and fucking indoctrinating them into this fucking club of weirdos who wear robes and live in palaces and drink blood and fucking eat flesh yes and that's a nice uh, just to finish off on this topic because we don't want to go too far into it because it's so absurd but the Pope has, however, been photographed with many animals over the years. He's been seen petting dogs, a koala and a tiger, holding birds and carrying a lamb on his shoulders. But sure, someone else said as well, like, 
so the whole concept then of priests being celibate and not having any kids is that selfish as well or, or they're serving the lord i assume so it's not selfish Fuck off. some some nonsense sorry you like i don't have any time for that like and I'll, I'll hold back a bit because no one wants to hear me become a big rant but like seriously like read the room the pope <laughs> yeah. yes anyway like, i mean i think it's funny that actually comments by the pope are making world news in 2022 at all yeah but. I have to say, I think the way the article was written with that that fo- that final line that like he was being photographed uh, carrying that's a lamb on, like. on his shoulders, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way I took it on as as like ridiculous, like yeah. Um, but I, I found it kind of amusing how how stupid it was, and and um, also ridiculous that the church had so much uh, control over Irish society. Not it's funny, funny though, but... because we're only 40 odd years removed from Pope John Paul II coming to Ireland and telling us to have more children. And that influenced a massive baby boom in Ireland in, I think, 1979 when the Pope visited and everyone went off and started having a load of kids. And there was a huge surge in procreation just because the Pope had said you should have more children. Whereas nowadays, that's met with derision. And correctly, if I may <laughs> say so myself. Yes. Yes, exactly. So they, we let that vampire uh, crawl back into his cave and drink his blood and pet his lambs and tigers <laughs> and tell us not to. All right. Okay. So we're going to finish up with... Uh, a final kernel of truth and this is more of a traditional kernel um, and it is one from you as well so it's about school versus life so let us know what is the final kernel of truth for this January 2022 episode of the Feckin' Check-In Today's final kernel and it's not the kernel in the kitchen who committed the murder it came to me through Will Smith's autobiography he was quoting another kernel from a gentleman named Tom Baudet who I don't know who he is and I couldn't find any background off him off the internet he could be just this fake man Uh, But anyway, Tom says, uh, and Will says in his book, In school, you're taught a lesson and then given a test. In life, you're given a test that teaches you a lesson. And I really, this struck with me a lot because I think so often in life, we uh, criticize ourselves when we don't know stuff or we make mistakes. But if you look at life as like a series of tests where you're given tests where you don't know the answer or you don't know how to pass the test and you only learn the test by kind of failing the test and that's what actually teaches you the lesson whereas in school you're given the lesson first and you don't know and then you're given a test and sometimes you don't care about the test or something (laughs) yeah no I, I, I I know what you mean I do like that kernel actually it's one of those ones that kind of uses the trick of reversing around the first thing and turning it into the second thing which is kind of a bit cheap, but in this in this <laughs> instance, I've granted uh, cheap. I've granted that cheap kernel, cheap kernel tactic, um, and it's true. You get tested on knowledge you've built up when you're in school, whereas when you go into the adult world, you have to have the answers to an exam you haven't studied for, essentially. Yeah, uh, exactly, and all the lessons all the time. <laughs> yes, and in school, the lessons that you learn, ninety nine percent of them are irrelevant to to adult life. Well, the actual things might be irrelevant, but I think they do serve a purpose. I see this thing all the time. is like, 
I've never had to use long division in my life. <laughs> you're like, it's not the point. It's to make your brain work. That's why you're given long division as a fucking child. It's to get your brain functioning to solve <laughs> problems. The functioning yeah. of your brain and problem-solving aspect of it is going to be relevant in your life. Of course, you're not going to be expected to do long division as a career. I, Nobody ha- is. However, <laughs> however, I think the people don't from school take it. Take the learning should be that you know how to problem solve. So when you're given those tests in life, you know how to troubleshoot and problem solve. But it's amazing. And I've even seen this in myself that I hadn't developed this skill until a bit older and how rare that is. Like, so sometimes people are are given a test in life. Let's say it could be DIY DIY in your home. And people say, I can't do that. Yeah. So they don't actually try to do it or they don't know how to problem solve it mm. or, or a technical issue yeah. um, with computers or whatever. They just panic and they, they don't know how to problem solve it. Yes. Well, do you know what? It, it's not that they don't know how to. It's that they don't want to, I think, and also don't trust their ability to learn on the move, on the go, how to. Because and they anytime, panic. Yeah. Like anytime yeah. a computer-related issue comes up for me, I take great pleasure in trying to solve it myself. Um, and I, I'll do something as like obvious as watch a YouTube tutorial video on how to fix yeah. it. Like all these notifications, when your computer gets to a certain age, you get notifications like, cannot find the blah, 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 dot DLL file. We've had a, lot, a few of these over the years. And you just, you go and find out how to fucking do it. And then you try it and it doesn't work. And you try another thing and it doesn't work. And you try another thing. But like, that's a computer-based thing. But in life in general, when shit goes badly for you or something is going badly in your job or there's an issue or there's something that you need to resolve, yeah, you're going to have to confront it like it's a long division sum. It's not going to be easy. You might have a remainder, but that's life. <laughs> yeah, and in fairness to human beings, uh, what quite complicates us is that we feel very strong emotions when things happen to us in life, like anxiety or panic or anger or confusion or guilt. All these kind of emotions come in and they erode sometimes our ability to problem solve. And then we don't problem solve and then we get ourselves stuck in those situations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But a lot of people, as you said, are afraid to approach the problem and yes. just don't bother with it. Yes. So to approach the problem, first of all, you have to get yourself in that mindset to approach the problem. So I've seen people when the technical computer issue comes up, their, their first mindset is panic, impatience, anger. Anger uh, is the main one, yeah. Yeah. So they when, never anything, get them... when anything doesn't work immediately as you expect it to in 22022, the immediate reaction is anger. An app, your remote <laughs> yeah. control, your computer. That someone's going to get it. <laughs> and yeah, so the difference is, what I mean is that you don't learn in school that you have to calm yourself down sometimes in life mm. to get yourself in a position to then problem solve. Yeah. And that I think most, a lot of people in a lot of situations don't get to that position. They can actually problem solve, as you rightly pointed out earlier, mm. but they don't get the position, where, the mindset where they are patient and sit down and relax and do it. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you 100%. There you, there you go. However, there you go. <laughs> that's really satisfying to say. Oh, yeah. Um, no, there's no however at this stage we've... Um, We've gilded the lily, we've milked the calf and its infants and the cow and the whole dairy. It's just, there's no milk left in the dairy. Yeah, we're using... a shortage uh, of milk. We're using (laughs) processed milk in the supermarket. We're using UHT little things now. That's what we're left with after this episode. Horrible UHT high temperature 
pasteurized shite. Uh, okay. Ah, yes. So, this potentially is the longest ever episode podcast of episode in history of, of mankind. Of mankind. <laughs> I don't care. I'm, I'm happy Fuck to it. leave it like this. Do you know Me what? Me too. I think if this is the exception, it's okay. If this were the norm, then it's a podcast I certainly wouldn't be listening to as a listener. But uh, at the same time, the number of people who've contacted me since we started doing more frequent episodes of the Feckin' Check-In again and said how much they're enjoying it and mm-hmm. how much they like it and other people who are like friends I know through Heavy Metal have told me they like it even more than Feckin' Metal. Uh, it's it's heartening. So I think it people, is heartening. There, there is a market for this. There's an appetite for this. It's not a massive appetite or a massive market, but there are people here who will be enjoying this. They can listen to it in three or four little sections. So um, I think we're doing something good even still, even after... I don't know, nearly two years of this now. I think it's good and I think it gives us a chance to, to catch up and chat about these things and it's a it's a good platform for that. And I think in my head what I'm gonna do is just enjoy it for what it is and mm. I'm gonna I have gotten clarity of the creative side that I probably need to pursue that elsewhere. The creative side in in terms of creating something arty like a song arty, or something arty, yeah, yeah. or even like i'd like to play instruments again or something like i just kind of miss that every six months or so i get this hankering to learn the guitar and um yeah. I, I don't follow up on it one point I, I drunkenly put up on facebook does anyone know any guitar teachers blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> i was pissed <laughs> and it's like you, you, you wonder to yourself as well why do these ideas come to you when you're pissed and why yeah. don't they come to you? When, why don't you have the same level of enthusiasm about them when you're sober? You know yeah. all these plans you hatch when you're drunk, or maybe you don't do it anymore, but you certainly probably used to. Um, yeah. Where you're like, let's do this, and we'll collaborate, and we'll do a blow, and we release this, and, blah, blah, and we get together, mm. and we have a band, and we'll have a make a film. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then, like when you're sober and you're just like have your senses, you're like you never do any of that shit. Yeah, you're just like, nah, nah, I won't yeah. do that. But I want to maybe have a keyboard in my family around <laughs> I want it to be a musical family hopefully Liz gives birth to a keyboard then because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all boxes would be ticked there yeah and and music and stuff like that but I do I do want to write some songs again and uh, it, it is hard for us to collaborate uh, due to COVID at the moment but if let's definitely keep that as, a, as, as something that we're interested in and I might, in the meantime, even see if I can find the time to do my own song. Oh, okay. I, All right. All I actually right. did write a rap recently. Um, no way. I did, yeah. About? It was, it was just... Um, lyrical skills? It was it's kind of lyrical skills, yeah. It was kind of just... Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you the first few lines. Huh? I'll infect uh-huh. you like COVID. <laughs> <laughs> you never second that- dose in the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> It actually, um, it turned out, it, it kind of is about uh, introversion. Mm. Um, and so here's a treat for the listener. Right, a treat for me too. Uh, so you can, I have a nice beat picked out from this. I'm not going to actually finish this song. I think I might, I prefer to uh, use this song or use elements of it somewhere else. But anyway, I enjoyed the process of writing again is the thing. Um, so 
Seeing is believing, I'm leaving my worries in the shadow of this moment in time. I'm composing these rhymes, alone but not lonely, you know what I'm like. I'll show you what's inside when the time is right. See, I'm a little shy and it takes me a while to open up my heart and forget about the lies I've been told. They unfold, but I try to be bold and courageous in the initial stages. Turn the pages of the book, chapter close, let the laughter hold me steady, make it bearable, memorable. It won't be so terrible. Yes, well, that's what I'm telling myself, because avoiding people is not good for my mental health excellent and but, uh, I, don't, I don't think we need a song of the week actually because i think that is, fits the bill entirely that's really good and i quite enjoyed thank, that oh thank you very much uh, it was just nice to like i don't know if it'll uh, like ever record that but it was just nice to what i mean is like writing something like that is completely different creative buzz than podcasting and as we talked about <laughs> we've gone over time here but as we talked about with, with two-faced fake snakes the podcast we did that was the end of the lineup and the idea was that we'd move on to podcasting and that would be the next creative step in a way. But I don't think it is. I think it's something different. I think it's more of a, a discussion and, and a radio type of thing. And it's really interesting in a different way. But I think it, it, for me personally, my creative impulses that I had with writing songs hadn't, hasn't been quite satisfied. Fair enough. Through podcasting. With me, I do get creative fulfillment from podcasting. But it's in a different area of my brain if you could compartmentalize like multiple different areas of creative fulfillment and one of them might be creating an actual song or some art and recording that and realizing it it coming to a realization where you've got a finished item podcasting to me is a different kind of creative fulfillment and it's very fulfilling to do but i can relate it's it's not creating a song out of thin air it's recording an interview with somebody and, and putting that on the internet and it's a bit different yes it's structured and it's analytical and it's uh it's precise and it's almost like left brain to use that old analogy whereas mm. the art and creating something that doesn't have a structure and just comes to you that's like right brain kind mm. of, it's like completely different yeah like it's just like you know the way uh, lennon and mccartney they mm-hmm. there's no like they're not planning we'll do this this and with podcasting it sometimes right i'll put in the interlude here and then i'll move this down and that'll be nice and then these two things will go well together and this segment worked well or whatever but it's very conscious whereas Mm. i think that's it i think the creativity when you're writing music or something or playing an instrument is is unconscious it just comes to you yeah it's kind of more natural and it flows it really really flows unlike let's say me recording an episode of feckin metal where i edit the shit out of that motherfucker yeah (laughs) and if i'm going back and i think i sounded stupid on a syllable i'll try and and edit that syllable out i'll try and make it sound natural as well natural syllable editing yes whereas with music you don't do that you free yourself yeah when you write music certainly and uh what podcasting is in a way is it's a presentation Mm. it's like you're making this really good presentation of something yeah whereas yeah I've, I've, i won't go into it again all right okay we'll probably <laughs> no, let everyone go let now. you go and um no that's it I mean, that's kind of it from me um i don't think we need a song of the week that was a great little verse there i didn't mean to say little to kind of diminish it sorry <laughs> <laughs> great little rap verse you did there. a little well done fella uh, but yeah that was excellent and uh I thoroughly, oh, thank you very much thoroughly enjoyed that and if you enjoyed that as the listener please contact us feck and check in at gmail.com and at, sorry <laughs> sorry i wanted before we wrap up i want us to commit to going into a room together and writing and recording three or four songs fuck me okay in june uh, june 
because oh, I you're think having a baby. Yeah. I'm having a baby. We can't do it you're around then. Baby. Sorry. But I want us to do that in the next six months. In June. All right. Okay. <laughs> and you like to put things in a calendar, so. I I have many things already in June in my calendar. Uh, but, yeah, I can do that in June. I can do it in week three or four of June. Yeah, and the reason I'm picking June is because I think COVID will be less restricted around then. Yeah, so be a nice little um, artifact now to go back and listen to this and see if see if that is the case. Indeed. So I'm actually going to put this in my diary as you taught me. Yeah. Okay. And let's say the 24th. We need two days, I think. A day or two days. We probably I, can't have two days when you have a kid. So maybe a day, full a day. A full day, like 25th of June. 25th of June, and how about like we start really early in the morning? Yeah. And do three songs. Okay. And we'll have drinks and stuff. I can stay over as well. Grant, you can stay over in mine if you want. If, if you wanted to do it in your house. I mean, could we do it in your house? Probably. I, I mean, I don't even know who I'll be living with at that stage. But yeah, you definitely can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell them now, the 25th of June. Tell my potential future new housemate or existing one who hasn't decided whether or not she wants to stay. I'll tell all of them. <laughs> Toomey's coming over on the 25th of June. So like it or lump it. Brother. Yes. 25th of June in the calendars in the diaries we're going to commit to it all we have to do is pick out a couple of songs and record it it'll be really easy and that's all we're going to do do you know what's going to happen as well that's going to in, in some ways that's going to go by really quickly and it'll be the 25th of June and be like Jesus that was six months ago yeah exactly but I'm making a commitment to myself and forcing you to do that really as well so okay well that's good forcing um but honestly i I do want to say to the listener if you've enjoyed this episode get in contact with us recently a few people have got in contact with me you can contact me on at feckin metalcast on twitter if you want but there's also at feckin checking on twitter feckin checking at gmail.com and there's a feckin checking podcast network page on facebook give us your feedback did you like this longer episode do you have anything you want to say about the topics we discussed tell us we like doing this. It's better when there's feedback. It's much better, actually, because there's interaction and we can discuss it on the next episode then. So get in contact, if you will. If you will. Uh, that's Dusty Rhodes, by the way, that I keep doing. If anyone's all right, I didn't that. get that. Um, anyway, all right, that's going to do it for this episode of The Feckin' Check and we'll probably be back in a couple of weeks or so. Um, don't expect the world, but we'll give you more than you do expect then as a result. Any final words for the listener to me? Feck off. Feck off.